We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The champ Dominic Cruz is on the desk. I know that you had some words for him inside the octagon, but he's going to be watching this very closely. Anything you'd like to say to him? Yeah, um, I can't wait to lock horns with him, you know, and uh, show you who your daddy is. You know, so that's all I got to say to him, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of choice words in these next coming weeks, and can't wait to wire his jaw shut. They have collected more loss bonuses losing to me from that team, all these UFC vets that he's talking about, than any any other win bonuses they've probably collected in the past year. I mean, the loss bonuses that those guys have made, just going in there losing to me, they take that money, they take it back, they throw it into the camp, and now Cody can come in and train with the pros, and he got to train with all the guys that I beat. So he's looking up to the guys that I beat. I didn't even know who he was. No clue. I just thought he was an up-and-comer, you know, with crazy tattoos. I thought he was CM Punk for a second, and then he got it together, and I was like, oh, shoot, man, that's not. That's the CM Punk of the 135-pound division. He's got all the hype behind him. So maybe I should just go in there, take the win from his sales, and then move on and keep beating everybody else. We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, 
You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to all the sponsors. You guys heard them right there. It's Halloween time around here, and no one's happier about that than Andreas Hale. Yeah, sure. Halloween, scary. It's it's just an excuse for me to watch a bunch of scary movies. You're and, very weird with that. Dude, I love horror flicks. I mean, when you have a grandmother that took you to see Scarface when you were three and then uh, made you watch Nightmare on Elm Street as a kid and Friday the 13th and every – like all my grandmother watched was scary movies. Like that's it. That's all she watched. So I remember them being in the movie theaters watching like Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like five and shit. So – and this is the yeah. same grandma where you threw a party at her crib when she went out of town? Yeah, it's my grandmother. She was, yeah, she would have scared the hell out of me. I would not have been throwing parties at her house. Yo, she's a, she was a nut. God rest her soul, but man, <laughs> she was the craziest woman I knew. And anybody that's ever that listened to the show that knows me personally, that ever met my grandmother, knows exactly what I'm talking about. She was My grandmother was a legend in these streets. Um, <laughs> You know, when you're the only black, when you're like a black kid in like Kappa League in high school, you got this old Italian white grandmother who's like, who just talks a lot of shit coming around all the time. Everybody remembers it. She drove a big ass Cadillac we called the Tank. Uh, <laughs> she called one of my friends a Jigaboo one time. Like, yo, she was off the hook. I just, I never understood her because, you know, she's a, a old white lady raising a, a, a black power kid. And she, she struggled with it, but, you know, I love her to death. <laughs> So, Grandma's Impact is still felt. Always. What movies do you have lined up? Every um, year is something different. What am I watching this year? Usually, like, every year is a different um, horror uh, series. So, it was like, last year was, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. The year before that was, like, Halloween, I think. This year, I think we're going to watch Saw. And I'm not even necessarily a fan of Saw. I actually think the Saw series kind of sucks. But because I haven't seen it in so long, I actually want to watch it in order. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get through seven of them shits, but I want to watch them in order and see how egregiously bad these movies are. Like, people love the Saw series, but they defy all types of logic. So I think I'm going to sit here, I'm going to watch those. I'm going to go get some throwback Japanese horror flicks. Um, What am I watching? I'm watching this joint called Suspiria. Um, Anybody who knows, like, Italian horror and, like, European horror knows about Suspiria. What else am I watching? Um... You're watching the craziest of shit. One, I'm not watching any Japanese horror flicks. Yo, Japanese horror flicks are the best. I'm not watching any horror flicks. I can't get through Jeepers Creepers, let alone like some real shit. Oh, come on, son. Yo, listen, man. I am a grown man, and everyone that knows me knows that I'm afraid of three things. Heights, large bodies of water, and the dark. Horror (laughs) plays on many of those things. (laughs) It, It is what it is. I sleep with my TV on. Judge me. I do not do the dark horror flicks, mainly go down in the dark. I don't like people popping out of shit. I'm young. I got a, I got a bad heart, though. I can't, I can't take that. My nerves are on edge. Oh, my God. Yo, do you play horror video games? No, probably not, huh? I, I do, but it's, it's very hard to get through. But, I mean, I grew up playing Resident Evil and all of the horror games. Um I, I didn't consider Bioshock a horror game, but it's really dope. Uh, I played that a couple years ago. Man, just any one of them that comes out, though, I'm, I'm willing to try. Silent Hill, when I was growing up, was super scary. When dude first had those big-ass scissors. 
Yeah, Silent Hill was really creepy. Um, what the, the, the scariest game I've played recently that's pretty unnerving is Outlast. Yo, that game is super unnerving because you can't do anything but run, and you and it's completely dark, and you only have your video camera with like the uh, the night vision to guide you, and it runs out of batteries often in that game, so it kind of <laughs> asked out. So and that that game is nerve wracking. Like Silent Hill Two was super nerve wracking, but Outlast is crazy, crazy nerve wracking. I can't. It's hard for me to sit there and play that game with it like the lights off because like I'm one of those people like if I get scared I laugh and I say something really loud and expletive so it's always like fuck or shit or something like that. <laughs> so I wake up the whole house. Nah, I used to play scary games during the day. I won't even play them at night. Like, I, I wouldn't do it. I still can't. I can't do the scary movies. Um, someone tricked me into seeing a scary movie, like, a couple years ago, and I was just up. I was awake for, like, it had to be a solid 18 hours. I wouldn't go to sleep. I was paranoid as hell. And it was probably a movie other people don't even find that scary. Um, I forgot what the hell it was at this point. I tried to block it out of my memory. I saw Ringu once. Just because someone was like, yo, you got to watch the Japanese version. I was like, I was scared enough by the ring. Like, I really don't need to watch this shit. And I watched it anyway. That wasn't cool. Little ghost kids scare me. Oh, yeah. Like, little that's Asian, the scariest shit. Little Asian girls, like, they're creepy. For yeah, whatever reason, they ghost kids. Creepy. Any ghost kids, you got me. Like, it's the scariest shit. I can take an adult ghost. Little girl ghost or shit. Little boy ghost. I, I can't do it. Dolls that come to life. Uh... There was like that creepy ass movie. I almost bought a ticket for it, and it was like the puppet master lady, and she had like this evil little puppet that like some chick was just babysitting a puppet. Oh, the boy. Yeah, and then that yeah, shit just got that creepy, and I was just like, nope, I couldn't get past the previews. Previews scared the shit out of me. Like my pops are scared of porcelain dolls. <laughs> the ones where, like, you if you if you like sit them up, their eyes open, and when you lay them down, their eyes close. Yeah, my grandma collects those. Yeah, my my pops like he's super creeped out by it. And one year, I bought him one as a gift, and <laughs> like he threw it and ran out the house. And it's it was hilarious because it was my pops who thought you know act like he was a tough guy, super cool, but he yelled and ran out the house, and he proceeded to cuss everybody out. <laughs> It was a doll, yo, but he's just got a real phobia about porcelain dolls. It's, that, it's weird. You are a sinister what? child. Oh, yeah, I was awful. Still am awful. Don't <laughs> let me find out what's, like, what you're really scared of and be around me too long. Yeah, I'll fuck with you. Yeah, nah. Like, I just stay out of the dark. Like, when I coach football and stuff, at the end of the night, you got to lock up after games and everything. The lights at school go out at 1030. So if we have a late game, shit, I'll hit the lights in the locker room and book it all the way <laughs> yeah. through to the exit. Or I turn the flashlight on my phone on. Yo, the other coaches will sit there and watch and be like, oh, it's dark. Watch. Kel's going to run. And I don't care. They'll judge me if they want. I'll run straight through the locker room. Wow. All the way to the outside. I don't play with the dark at all. That's funny, yo. Yo, I used to watch Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like little, little for no reason. I have no clue why. Gave me nightmares for like a decade. It's literally just the funniest. Like I used to have Freddy Cougar nightmares regularly, and the only thing that would save me, he'd like chase me throughout this whole fucking dream, kill people. And then at the end, when he was about to catch me, the White Power Ranger would show up and beat his ass and save me every single time. Why the White Ranger? Why couldn't it be the Black Ranger? I don't know. I was a fan of Tommy for a period of time. <laughs> it was the Green Ranger. Then it turned into the White Ranger. 
I don't know. My dreams are weird. But he used to save me from Freddy Krueger. Wow. Yes. So while you were enjoying and basking in these horror movies as a child, I was getting chased through houses and, and random shit. Yeah. It's all bad, man. All bad. Um, one thing we do have to do as a show, as a, as a team building experience, we have to go to one of those like horror room, like escape room joints. I've done one of those. Yes. There's like a new one out here. Uh, That's supposed to be like one of the best ones. Did you make it out of the room when you went? Hell no. There was like seven. Well, it was, it was, I took my wife for her birthday. So we took like the rest of the family. And my wife, she's she's a smart ass, but she doesn't really take everything seriously. So like, because I think we were in a room, we have to watch a video and then you have to play this piano and you have to, there's all kinds of shit you had to do. And then after a while, we just couldn't figure it out. It was like some of us were getting frustrated. The other half was just laughing. So hell no, we didn't make it out that damn room. <laughs> we were stuck in that bitch. Yo, when we all go to NXT that weekend in December and everyone's down here, we might all just have to go. All See, right. I mean, between me, you, Ryan, Marcus, somebody got to get this shit. Daddy Acosta, <laughs> we can't get this. It just says uh, leaps and bounds about our journalism abilities and being able to crack stuff. All right. I mean, I like puzzles, but I'm telling you, like, some of those things, you're like, what? It's ridiculous. But I'm down. Yeah, I haven't been to one. I figure we can figure it out. Um, the mm. other part of Halloween, outside of, you know, the stuff I don't enjoy, the scary movies and crazy shit that you'll be uh, partaking in, is the candy. I'm all about the candy. Still. I love when my yeah. kids go trick-or-treating. I go through their little candy bags. I'd be like, all right, yo, you can have this one. I'm taking this one. And they always get mad at me. For stealing all their candy, I don't care. You get any type of starburst or gummy worms, they're mine. Just straight hijacking. What oh, candy yeah. do you rock with for Halloween? And what's the best candy that you rock with? What's the worst? Candy corn's the worst. Anybody who likes candy corn should be checked out because there's no reason that any human being should like candy corn. Thank that shit you. is disgusting. Yeah, you My eat candy corn, you're a savage. My grandmother used to eat that shit, like, regularly. Like, there was two things my grandmother used to cop, was candy corn for Halloween and peeps for Easter. So, naturally, she ate them so much, like, I hate them both. I despise them. Oh, I can mess and, with the peeps, though. No, but candy corn? Disgusting. Whatever human being came up with candy corn should be sacrificed at the altar. That shit is nasty. My girlfriend was telling me a story about that the other day. She was like, her dad would only eat two Halloween candies, candy corn and black licorice. Ugh, that, I was those like, like the what? Worst. That man has no soul. <laughs> I was oh like, God. yo, he was just so happy on Halloween because no one else would touch either of those. He was yeah, just breaking in the candy. Disgusting. No thanks. Um, as far as what I like, it, it changes. I'm a jelly bean guy, so I jelly. Like I went to the Jelly Belly Factory in San Francisco, and I like I was like a kid in a candy store. But jelly beans, red Swedish fish, and Skittles are pretty much my go tos. Swedish fish are underrated right there. And That's like NYC bodega growing up. When they but you got to like have the red cents. ones. Yeah, you no, the red like, ones. No, no yeah. assorted. Nah. No, no, don't do that. Like, if you come around me with, like, yellow and green Swedish fish, I'm liable to slap you. But if red <laughs> Swedish fish, all day. Oh, yeah. Now, the Swedish fish is top notch. Um, the little tiny packs of gummy bears. You go to yeah. the good neighborhoods, they got, like, the legit-ass candies. Like, you catch, like, the peach rings or something. Peach rings is the shit too. Yo, any of those like you, you get like the trolley candies in there. You're like, yeah, you guys are clutch. I don't do I don't do chocolates. They melt too fast. I don't eat nuts or caramel, so it rules out half the candy bars. So I don't do chocolate candy bars at all. Maybe a crunch bar. 
I'll do caramel. Caramel, like, I'll do. Chocolate, eh, not so much. Yeah, it's just, it's not for me in holidays. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just more of the gummies, yo. Just bring on the gummies. That's all I want. Stay away from the candy corn. I swear that's just to punish children. It is. Um, my daughter, Madison, though, she eats anything. She can't eat nuts, so she can't, like, eat any of that. Any of the other Halloween candies, she's on it. She's, like, she's making trades, like, elaborate shit, like fantasy football. Nice. Like, she ain't going one for one. She's like, nah, you really want this Snickers bar? It's going to take four of those and one of these. And we can trade. I'm like, damn. That's impressive. Yeah, you know, elaborate trades for Halloween candy. So she's on it. She's already uh, setting up her bookie system. But yeah, I'm telling you, gummies are the way to go. I know people are going to be like, blasphemy. There's some real candy corn lovers out there. Nah, they should all die. If you listen to the show and you, li- you like Candy Core, don't listen to the show ever again. <laughs> they're coming for us on Twitter, especially you. I'm telling you, they're gonna, they're marching for Candy Core. I'm fine with it. Come for <laughs> Last thing, we haven't done a pound for pound in forever, ever, ever. So I figure we count down the five scariest fighters and wrestlers of all time. To me, the list isn't hard. And I think some people, it's dope because some people remember people I even forget about. And you obviously mm. have a wide knowledge of both areas. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what your five was compared to mine. People will be like, yo, they'll probably think mine is like really bland and typical. So my five scariest fighters slash wrestlers of all time. Five, I got Viscera. Big black <laughs> dude with wide eyes. I can't do it. I know he had like 15 million characters. As Viscera, oh. scariest shit. Okay. Big black man, 400 pounds with wide eyes. And a mohawk. Like, that, that shit was just scary. They were kidnapping Stephanie and shit. It was, it was traumatic for me as a kid. It's the only time I liked Stephanie McMahon. And she was on that big-ass cross. Wow. Uh, four, UFC fight. Former UFC fighter, Colin Fletcher. Colin Fletcher. Google wow. the man. He looks like the bad guy from the Blade series. Yeah. He came he in. Was. He has, like, fangs on his chest. He has, like, a fucking spider on his belly, and devil hands on his shoulders. Creepiest guy in the UFC. Probably UFC history. Colin Fletcher. Mm, I wasn't around to interview the man. Probably would have been the craziest interview ever. Because I would just ask him about all his wild-ass tattoos. I didn't even care who he was fighting. Um, Three, Mankind. Just because, like, Mankind and the vignettes and everything they played before he showed up. Uh, Not towards the end, Mankind. Like, fresh. Fresh character, Mankind. Super dope. To me, that was scary. The psychological aspect of what he was talking about really made Mankind scary. Two, Mike Tyson. Because it's Mike Tyson. He said he was going to eat somebody's children. He bit a man's ear off. Like, And young Tyson was also scary to me. Like, the don't give a fuck Tyson. Like, that, that was even scarier. Uh, and yeah. anyone with a lisp who can still beat ass is pretty scary. Well, speech like, impediments, yeah, add to it. Yes, yes. Uh... And number one, Undertaker. Specifically, Ministry of Darkness Undertaker with the long goatee. Okay. Um, let me see. Where do I want to start with this? See, I'm not even sure how to put this in order. See, my number one is the Undertaker, but it's not the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. It's the Undertaker that came out with Paul Bearer, who used to put people in body bags with the purple gloves and was really pale. Yo, he did have the body bags. Yes, he had body bags, he had the purple gloves. Um, it looked like a Halloween costume you get at like Party City USA and shit. But <laughs> you know the fact that he was you know Mean Mark Eaton from like WCW and he was mad tall and he was super pasty white and Paul Bearer was a creep. 
He'll always be number one on my list. Um, Ian McCall also makes my list, Uncle Creepy, because of his name uh, and his mustache. And he just looks like he should be in a Rob Zombie movie. He um, really does. Yeah, so Ian McCall <laughs> lands on my list. I'm not sure what number, but he's there. Uh, also on my list is Gangrel. Um, Gangrel, you know... The Brood. Yes, The Brood actually had like the dopest... Uh, interest music in pro wrestling at the time with uh, Edge and Christian. Well, then then they had the Hardy Boys as well. But, uh, you know, the blood used to come out. It wasn't really scary. It was just like a dope visual. Um, a man who There's two men who will not make this list. One is the Boogeyman. I thought the Boogeyman character was terrible. I in, thought he on was Smackdown. funny. Yeah, like eating worms was just kind of gross more than anything. Yeah, it was like, yo, this man is disgusting. He needs teeth. So that was my problem with the Boogeyman. The other guy who doesn't make this list is Papa Shango. Who had later became the Godfather, Tommy Mustafa, <laughs> everything you think of. But Papa Shango, when he made the Ultimate Warrior throw up ridiculously, that wasn't scary to me. That was hilarious. Um, who else makes my list? I ran Barkley when it comes to boxing. I ran Barkley was an ugly dude who could fight, and I just for some reason he just used to scare the shit out of me. Um, also, um, Leon Spinks when he didn't have his teeth. Because <laughs> that dude was scary to me as well. I always wanted the Halloween mask of Leon Spinks. Um, I think this should be one more. Uh, <laughs> With no, yo, his teeth, he does look bananas without teeth. I had yo, to pull it up. Oh my God, Leon looks Yo, crazy. he had no teeth in the front. Nah, just look, he had the, just the, the, the joints on the sides. So yeah, I don't know how like this man ate like apples or anything, but um, impossible. Um, the only other person I could think of that was just crazy scary, like scary looking to me. I'm trying to think. Uh, man, I don't know. I, I can't say Mankind. Mankind didn't scare me. The early iteration of Kane was kind of creepy, but not scary enough. Um, there hasn't been that many, like, truly scary characters. Bray, Bray Wyatt isn't scary at all. Nah, nah. Like, I, you know, there's like Vampiro and, like, like they weren't scary either. And just scary for no reason was New Jack. Because, and that's because he was a black criminal who really did like crazy things in the ring in ECW. Didn't he staple his head all the time? Yeah, he he stapled his head. If you go back and um, there's a a DVD called Forever Hardcore, which is like the um, unauthorized ECW documentary. And there's just some stuff on that DVD that'll make you cringe. Like New Jack just like, him talking about falling off the scaffold and, and brain fluid oozing out of his ears, that was crazy shit. So if you can find that, watch it. Holy shit. Well, yep, that qualifies as scary. Yeah. <laughs> New Jack makes the list. Yeah, no, it is bananas. I love Halloween time. Um, I'm really sad that Ryan McKinnell, friend of the podcast, couldn't pull off the costume this year. <laughs> um, stupid MLB playoffs tied up Marcus Vanderberg and the uh, World Series, got him locked in. Because I really want to see those two come out in full gear and rock the tandem Halloween costume. Yeah, it would slick. be kind of interesting. So Marcus has to be slick, which Marcus already got the build for slick. Make sure yeah, you guys he's... follow Marcus Vanderberg on Twitter. You'll see. He can pull off a very good slick. And Ryan McKinnell, his spirit animal, is the WWE, um, oh, what's the dude's name? Why'd I forget it? You're talking about Akeem? Akeem. Yeah. The African dream. Absolutely. Ryan McKinnell, I swear he got the dashiki already. We're just missing a hat, and he's ready to go. He got the jive talk. 
we need to pull it off, and we all need to go to a party. Um, it, it's going down one of these years. I don't care if we got to dress up for WrestleMania, for like <laughs> the, the convention or something. We just go incognito one day. One day we shall see that and post the picture, and it's gonna be glorious. All right, I'm with it. Uh, outside of that, other things that are scary. This week's Raw. That's where uh, we're starting off on <laughs> with That's WWE. where you want to start. Yeah, okay. a lot of scary shit, man. Um, I'd put this at the end for us to talk about with the Raw recap, but I got to jump into the beginning. Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, promo. The most awkward, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Heyman is a promo genius. But on Monday night, somebody had the bright idea that Brock Lesnar would play heel in his hometown of Minneapolis to Goldberg, who is the heel coming, considering the fact that he said disparaging things about pro wrestling since he left with his last match with Brock Lesnar. And despite his, the fact that he cut an excellent promo the week before, there was no way this crowd was going to turn on Brock Lesnar. So it feels like somebody told Paul Heyman, no matter what, stick to the script. And Paul tried and he tried. He made he made up the fact that there were Goldberg chants, and there was not a single Goldberg chant in that arena. They like this was this was like the people <laughs> were on two different universes. And if you if you watch it, I've watched this promo like three times now. If you watch Brock Lesnar's face, there's a there, he like shakes his head and grins like these dumb motherfuckers know better. Then this crowd is not gonna turn on me, and Paul is sinking. And then the and then at the end, there's no real end. The promo just ends. Heyman just throws the mic and Lesnar's music comes on and they leave. Nothing was accomplished in that promo. It was a complete waste of one of the very few Brock Lesnar appearances that we get on Raw, and it was pointless. But it was just hilarious because Lesnar was not breaking character. No, at I mean, all. Like, I, it was, I expected Lesnar to come out and say something. Well, that's the other thing, because after Goldberg had said, you know, your fat dude speak for you, say something... Why didn't Lesnar say anything? I, th- this promo w- w- acted like last week didn't even happen. It was stupid. I have no clue. The fans weren't having it. They were happy to see Brock. You never, like you said, you never know when you're gonna get to see Brock. He returns but it's, to it's his, in his hometown. hometown. Yeah, like they were like, yes, he shows up, and it's his hometown. Like we're loving Brock, and they didn't care at all. It's like Bret Hart when Bret Hart was being a heel they knew better because during the whenever the heart foundation was in canada they were faces and there was nothing you can do to turn the crowd against bret hart the british bulldog jimmy Evanyhart, and brian pillman when he was alive there's nothing you could do so they just let them be faces in canada you how, how do you not recognize that brock lesnar is going to be over with this crowd and 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 then you tell Heyman to stick to the script because they, they had to tell him that because usually Heyman rolls with the punches yeah but he he was making believe that there were chances that didn't exist. This was this was baffling. But Once it, again, mean, this is why you cannot script Paul Heyman. No, you can't. But this just let was, him go. This was a this kind of was indicative of how head scratching Raw was, and that was just that was just the beginning of it. The rest of Raw was just as ridiculous. So I mean, I, so many things don't make sense on the brand of Raw right now. I'm just thoroughly confused by so much. Another thing, Anderson versus Enzo. Yeah. um, Who's going over? Why is this now a matchup, and why is it a matchup when it doesn't include the WWE tag team title? I mean, I don't don't have no idea what's going on here. And the the fact that Enzo went over and Anderson and then then, uh, 
Big Cass went over on Gallows like in a squash match the week before. I, I don't understand what they're doing with the 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 wrestlers formerly known as the club because I, I have no idea what they're doing with it. It feels like they try to retool them every few weeks. But let Carl Anderson be Carl Anderson. Like, if you're gonna put him over, put him over. But let him be machine gun. Yeah, like this is this has been bad. Like that's one of the yeah. There's many things wrong, but this is this this I almost forgot about how bad that was. Yeah, it just makes no sense. And then to me, it means that now we're gonna have Enzo and Cass lose at the pay per view, which is really what most people just watch. So now yeah. it's like, wow, so you're burying Enzo and Cass right now for no reason? The, the, I mean, again, this speaks to the roster depth. There's not enough people on this roster. Somebody's got to lose. And the fact that, you know, Anderson and Gallows are going to be the only heels that are viable to take the tag titles away from the New Day in the next 60 days. We know, we know the New Day are not losing these tag titles before they break Demolition's re- record. It just doesn't make any sense. And if they do lose, it'll be like the day before. So for the next at least 45 days, the New Day are going to be champions. So you have to create vi- viable heels to take the titles from them. And they're not going to do it with Enzo and Cass. So Enzo and Cass have to lose. They, somebody has to put Ga- Gallows and Anderson over. They're not over. They haven't been put over properly. No, and they went into the feud when we thought they should take the titles. They lost and then lost again. And then it was like, okay, well, they're just going to get buried. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And then, no, somehow they found a way. I guess to put them over, but now Enzo and Cass lose steam. That, Enzo and yeah. Cass aren't as hot as they were. I mean, they're losing. Well, they're still hot. The fact that they, they, Enzo and Cass have cut a promo with mics that don't work, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and the crowd just mimes the whole thing, mimics the whole thing for them, they're still over. So they figure they can't. They won't take that big of a blow. I mean, they never won the NXT tag titles, so they're over. They're fine. Um, but that's not the most baffling thing on Raw. The, the other baffling thing on Raw is. What the hell is going on with T.J. Perkins and Brian Kendrick? Kendrick loses outright to Rich Swan, and that's not the worst of it because usually you think that the that the, uh, the opponent for the, the for the championship would get, go over to look strong heading into the title match. No, he loses to Swan. But the most baffling thing is the promo afterwards where Kendrick and T.J. Perkins. First of all, whoever's writing T.J. Perkins shit needs to stop with the video game re- references. Cut yeah. that shit out. We get like, it. We get it. <laughs> you mean to tell me that these two guys are going to sit around and have a conversation and, you know, Kendrick's not going to call him out like, dude, did you just say reset? Like, did you just say, like, one up? Like, I'm waiting for him to say things like health meter and, you know, do your special move. Like, I'm I'm, I'm waiting for Perkins <laughs> to say dumber shit. But then Kendrick basically says, please put me over because I'm old. Now, AJ Styles is older than Brian Kendrick by like a few months. But Kendrick is apparently old and washed up and needs T.J. Perkins to just hand him the title at the pay-per-view on Sunday. Why is this happening? I don't. Somehow they try to make Brian Kendrick into the heel of the division, but now he's looking for sympathy. I don't. I don't understand. They're just diminishing his role as the heel. It, it's this is is again this is baffling because the next issue is, and it's just like I've, I've been pointing out with everything is after Kendrick, then who? Because if Kendrick doesn't beat T.J. Perkins at, at Hell in the Cell, which most of us don't think is going to happen, which wouldn't make sense because T.J. Perkins just got the Cruiserweight title, who does he feud with next? Is Tony Nisa heel? Drew Gulak? Who's the heel? Well, Who's none the of guy? them have strong enough characters right now to feud. Um, you got to go face versus face on like some respect angle type stuff. 
ugh. You know, like, and I say ugh because I, I just really want to see, like, I want to see legit feuds. Like, I feel like TJ Perkins is going to be involved in the Survivor Series match to represent Raw. Like, I feel like that has to happen. So you can kind of put a buffer on whatever, whoever he feuds with next. But, I, like, dude, turn Neville heel and have Neville and Perkins feud for the Cruiserweight title because you, you essentially have to put a semi-established character in there to put the Cruiserweight title over because this feud with Kendrick isn't working. Another feud that's not working is Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. It's not working. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho has so much more heat and such a better vibe to it than Owens versus Rollins right now. Dude, when the list is more important than the universal title, we have a problem. (laughs) We spent an hour and a half of Raw looking for Chris Jericho's list. It's a pretty important list. Yeah, and I mean, like, like I said, I've said this for months now. I love what Jericho has been doing. Jericho, he's found his stride as like this old man who's still hanging on, but it's still funny as shit. The list is excellent. But do, we spent an hour and a half looking for the list. In between all this, there is a championship Hell in the Cell match between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. And the best thing to come out of this feud was Owens finally powerbombing Seth Rollins on the apron. Until then... This feud had zero heat. None. So how I what are we doing? Because Jericho doesn't even have anything planned for Hell in the Cell. Yet the list and his his eventual split with Kevin Owens is like headlining raw. This is baffling to me for a go home show. A go home show is supposed to focus on your main feuds. Rollins and Owens aren't the main feud. It's Owens and Jericho, because everybody knows they're breaking up. Yeah, I mean Everything just seems to drag into these pay-per-views where they have to showcase both brands. It's the first time we're seeing it so far, and now SmackDown is on hold, too. We'll talk about SmackDown in a second. They're dragging out their last angle. It's like they don't want to start new stuff until after Survivor Series. And it's dragging this last month along, making it almost unbearable to watch. Sasha Banks and Charlotte have gone through everything already. They're having signings. With like no heat, we already know their angles. We already know their story. It's that, been six months. Yeah, that that particular thing with Foley, I felt like I was watching t- too many people yelling at each other. And Mick Foley, I couldn't figure out if he was sad, you know, because like you, you put these women in this match because you're like, well, no women have ever been in a hell of a cell match, and you're like, wow, let's do it with Sasha and Charlotte. Great idea. Then. Foley comes out and cuts this promo was like, it's too dangerous for you women, basically, because you don't want to turn into me. And then it's like, well, didn't you just say that we're you know, doing something groundbreaking? I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. The best line to come out of that is Sasha Banks saying, in response to see you in Boston, see you in hell. That was the best line of that, that promo. But I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to this match, but this has to be the end of this feud. Yeah, and then and the Sasha tweet that says there may be blood, like, yes, there will be blood in a women's match. This is, that's groundbreaking. Okay, so continuing on with baffling things with Raw and how this all ties into Charlotte and Sasha is the fact that there's a Hell in the Cell match. There's three Hell in the Cell matches. They're calling this a triple main event, which I feel like is a complete slap in the face to the fact that Sasha and Charlotte should be headlining this pay-per-view, bar none. There should, like, Rollins and Owens don't even have enough heat to headline this pay-per-view. Sasha and Charlotte should headline the pay-per-view. But there is a Roman Reigns-Rusev Hell in the Cell match 
and neither of them were on Raw. Rusev cut a promo. Yeah, but he wasn't on Raw. Like, how do you how do you have a hell like Hell in a Cell matches are supposed to be the blow off to a heated feud? Last year, Hell in a Cell was Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. This year, we have three of them. My biggest issue here is if Rusev and Reigns have a Hell in a Cell match, which none of us think is going to be that good. Well, well uh, I mean, I like I like Reigns and gimmicky matches. I don't like Reigns. I mean, I think Reigns, this is just, I feel like this is being force-fed to us. Because this feud doesn't have that much heat. No. And Rusev is the only one that's bringing heat to this feud. And it's weird because he's bringing heat to this feud as almost a sympathetic babyface. Like, you're messing with my family. Like, it's, these are all things a babyface would say. But the <laughs> match itself, I'm like, okay, well, we got three of them. So then we got Rollins and Kevin Owens, which if they had legit heat, they could put on the match of the night because people who've never really seen Kevin Owens in ladder matches and, and gimmick matches forget how good he really is. And we know Rollins will put it on the line. But then you have Sasha and Charlotte, right? Who should be headlining this pay-per-view? This should be the main event. This should not be called a triple main event. It's a discredit to what they've built towards and the monumental moment that Sasha and Charlotte are having. But... I might be a little exhausted after two other Hell in the Cell matches. The crowd might be burnt out. You got to split them up. You have to split them up. You got to open with Rusev and, and Roman. It's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Right? But the the fact that this is a Raw brand only pay-per-view, that means you have to... Because you can't do two Hell in the Cells back, in the, back to back. I just think that'd be horrible. Like, there's such thing as crowd burnout. And if, if Rollins and and Kevin Owens have a great match, which we all think that they can in a Hell in a Cell match, and Sasha and Charlotte don't get going because sometimes they do awkward things in the ring, sometimes, they can lose the crowd. every time. It, it happens. They so always have like, a botch. Yeah, so it's like, dude, it's, this, that should have been the only Hell in a Cell match, in my personal opinion. I, don't, I think Sasha and Charlotte should have been the only Hell in a Cell match and should have been headlining this pay-per-view. You could have a title match. You could have Rusev and Reigns. You could do everything else that you want to do. But there's no, it's not necessary to have three Hell in the Cell matches. It's not. Baffling. No, I mean, I understand the name of the pay-per-view and you try to fit the theme and all that stuff. Just one is needed for the pay-per-view. Hell, yeah, I'm okay so, with one Hell in the Cell all year. Yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. But this, as a go-home show, the, the time they dedicated to the list, and then you see guys wrestling on Raw who we know aren't even going to be in Hell in the Cell at all, like, like uh the uh, what the hell the um uh, the puerto ricans like they're them why yeah which is weird but jericho shout out to everyone on twitter who pointed out jericho saying he doesn't even like the dominican oh was hilarious you know, like i said jericho's been great but for them primo and epico for them to be on there for titus o'neill for mark henry for the golden truth why on a go home show of raw you could have spent more time, even though I would have been against it, putting Roman Reigns and and Rusev actually on the show. But we're gonna let them wrestle for what? What was the point? Why are we doing this? Too long of a show for a pay per view that's got really only one match that has the right amount of heat. Everything else is really, really, really weird. Even the New Day, Cesaro and Sheamus, because obviously Cesaro and Sheamus have to lose. And then if they lose, then what was the point of putting them together in the first place? Yeah, then they have nothing going forward unless you put them in one of the matches in Survivor Series to kind of just continue the heat. Dude, put them in the match of Survivor Series and the loser goes to the other, other brand. Like, I mean, dude, do something. Because even you're wasting Sami Zayn. The whole Sami Zayn-Strowman thing is like, all right, 
Does Strowman lose now? Because I feel like Strowman no. got the best of Sami Zayn. He can't. He can't. He's a monster heel. You can't kill a monster heel in his first match. Because then there's no reason for him to be a monster heel in the first place. So he has to go over on Sami Zayn. But something happens where he has to kill Sami Zayn and he has to come back as El Generico. Something needs to happen. <laughs> That's what everyone wants. Because it's just they just are blowing it. Like this as a go home show was strange and was unnecessary. <laughs> I tell you the truth, I might forget that the pay per view is on Sunday. I'm not. I'm gonna watch it because I'm gonna be at home. But and I want to see Sasha and Charlotte. I just want them to make that match. Like that match is a true moment in wrestling history. And for it to be kind of to be thrown as a triple main event is like a cop out. And I felt like they shouldn't have done that. But as a whole, like the go home show, show of Raw was just, you know, Heyman, everything. And we're getting Lesnar and Goldberg at Survivor Series, which, whatever, I guess Goldberg will be ready. But I, I just really don't understand the direction of uh, Raw right now. Yeah, that leaves. It's very weird for the Royal Rumble now. It's like now what's going to headline the Rumble? Like, are we going to just constantly parade nostalgic people back to try to sell these dual pay-per-views? Because there's Dude, all the I, talk about Shawn Michaels coming back. Yeah, Shawn Michaels ain't coming back. But Shawn looked good. He looked good, but he's that not coming you. back. He's not coming back. But Royal Rumble, like everything moving forward, because, all right, Kevin Owens goes over on Seth Rollins, and he goes over on Jericho, which is the two things that are expected to happen. Who does he feud with after that? Kevin Owens, Lesnar? No, not not this soon. No, I mean going into Mania, right? Because then it'd be Royal Rumble. I'm just saying, what I'm saying, the point I'm making here is they've run out of baby faces for Owens to even deal with. They have to turn a heel into a baby face for a legit feud. They've buried Sami Zayn so far on the roster, like he should be competing with Owens somewhere down the line because he's the last person to beat him. Yeah. And there's been no side of Triple H, which I've mentioned last week. And who else is the baby face that, that can compete for the world title? Like, nobody wants to see Roman Reigns back in that position. So you literally run out of people as baby faces to compete with Kevin Owens. And as I, I'm about to point out, when we start talking about SmackDown, you have the exact same problem on SmackDown. Yeah, the exact same. There's not enough people at the top to sustain both brands. You, got enough, you have enough bodies, but you haven't established anybody in the tag team division, in the women's division, because even you know, uh, um, Bailey has is is stuck in this stuck in the mud with Dana Brooke, but and they'll get you, their match, but it's still like ho hum, whatever. Yeah, you but you haven't established anybody as the next person to challenge for a major title on either show, because Ziggler and Miz, you know, that's going to come to an end, and I can only imagine that either Ambrose, well. You know what? We'll talk about that in a second. But it's just, it's, there's just so many things that you, you can't logically find anybody to compete with the right people for the title. The tag team, if the New Day were to go over and, and break the record and hold on the tag titles, so they have to feud with Enzo and Cass, right? Because there's really nobody left. No, that's Did it. You, I mean, unless Al Anderson and Gallows win this match. That's the only thing you think of. If Rusev defends the title, if Rusev gets the title back against Roman Reigns, who does he feud with? Conversely, if Roman Reigns beats Rusev, who does he feud with? Do you throw Braun Strowman straight into the matchup with Roman Reigns? <laughs> I guess so. That that's the next pecking order, right? Like that's that, the next guy featured on the program. But that means he'd have to go over on Roman Reigns because again, 
I, you know, I've always had a problem with monster pushes because once the monster loses, he loses all the time. Like he, it, it just, it, it's inevitable. When oh, Kane yeah. finally lost, he lost all the time. Yeah. When any giant loses, Big Show. When he lost, he essentially became a glorified jobber. They lose all the time, and then they come back. And the only time that these big monsters come back is to put over the champion. Big Show has put over so many world champions, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, he's a like, big dude. What can I say? Throwing him around always holds weight. Because, like, Brock Lesnar won the title. His first feud, I think, was with Big Show. Or first or second. One of his feuds was with Big Show. Is that when Rey they Mysterio. collapsed the ring? It, it was dude was a lot. Like, Big Show, Rey Mysterio. Big Show, Stone Cold. Big, like, Big Show was feuded with everybody and lost. He feuded like, with he, Roman Reigns on the way to his title push. Yeah, like, Big Show is a, he's a big-ass stepping stone. So, like, Braun Strowman needs to be established as a monster heel, but he's eventually going to lose, and then he's going to lose all the time. Well, Rusev, you know, was kind of in limbo for a while after he lost to Cena, but came back, and he's doing pretty well. Well, Rusev is a little bit different because he was undefeated. See, I don't, I don't consider him a monster. Like, Braun Strowman is a monster. They're kind of limited in the ring. They just use nothing but power moves, and they squash everybody. And they, they usually end up taking on two people at once. It always happens. Ryback did it. Like, everybody does. It. But Rusev, even when he did lose, like, they had to retool him. And fortunately, Rusev has an excellent personality, which almost makes him a babyface. And he has Lana, so he has advantages. But somebody like Braun Strowman, like, same with Nia Jax, who hasn't been seen on TV, which is, makes you wonder why did they even pull her from NXT if they weren't going to put her on TV anymore. Makes no but, sense. I'm not even sure if she's doing the house shows. She's doing superstars. Oh, I, I haven't seen her on superstars in like two nah, weeks, three weeks. It's, it's bad. Everything's baffling. WWE's got to figure this out. And now they have no women in NXT. It's like, man, she could have been down there with a two-month, three-month feud. Yeah. With but Oscar just right now, learning, getting better. There's nothing. So let's move on to SmackDown, who, which is a, another baffling show, but for a different set of reasons. Um, Ambrose and Styles has grown old to me, man. I'm done. Like, it's stale... Uh, it, no dude, fault to Styles, I guess, and or Ambrose. I'm done. Well, it's Ambrose the same. Has lost twice in a row. He doesn't deserve the shot. Dude, Orton deserves the shot. It's the same issue as Owens Rollins. There's a person in the middle that's holding up this feud. James Ellsworth is basically Chris Jericho. He's in the middle <laughs> of the feud. So yes. there's. You can't create real heat between two people when the heat is all on that central character. So, like, Chris Jericho's become the focal point of Owens and Rollins where he's taken away from Rollins. James Ellsworth has basically taken away from any heat that AJ and Dean Ambrose really have. And the fact that he cost AJ, I mean, Dean Ambrose the match, either it's a, a tool to make Dean Ambrose turn heel, or I don't know what it's for. Because if Dean Ambrose isn't a heel, I don't get what they're doing. Because... Again, therein lies your issue. AJ Styles is a heel, an out-and-out heel. John Cena is nowhere to be found. AJ and Dean Ambrose, I guess, will have a match, and AJ will probably go over, but who does he feud with next? Randy Orton is next. Randy Orton looks like he's turning heel with the Wyatts. Unless this is some stupid trick that makes absolutely no sense. It's going to be a stupid trick that makes absolutely no sense, but it's going to push Bray Wyatt into, I think now, a casket match with Kane. Ugh. Who wants to see that? Someone just needs to see Bray Wyatt win. Give him two wins in a row. My God. This is bad. Like, yo, this is just so bad. Like, 
ideally what needs to happen, what should be happening right now, is the Miz should lose to Dolph Ziggler and move on to a main event feud. Because he's your, your best heel on the roster, aside from AJ Styles. But therein lies the problem. because AJ, AJ Styles, Styles is champion. champion. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the problem. But Miz, he has to move on from the Ziggler feud. It has to happen. And they have to blow this thing off. So the only way you can create these new feuds is at Survivor Series. Because you have these five-on-five matches, which I'm, I'm going to assume that, that Miz, possibly Ziggler... AJ, Ambrose, and <laughs> Orton or Wyatt, Orton or Wyatt, or somehow James Ellsworth lands on this thing. <laughs> but this the only way you can create friction is if they cost each other the matches at Survivor Series. It's the only way you can create it because there's no friction. Like Miz and uh, Ziggler, that shit is about to end, and like all these things are about to end, but there's no trajectory for where they go from this. And it, it's a big problem. Like SmackDown is having the same issues because now like you have Becky, Lynch, Becky and Alexa bliss is, is really weird. Cause Alexa just beat the shit out of Becky Lynch on SmackDown. Yeah. She's done and, so several times. Right. So it's like, all right, so we know that Becky's not going to lose Alexa bliss, but who's next? Uh, well, the Bella would be next, right? But she's a baby face. Only while her show airs. I swear <laughs> that's how they go. When Total Divas, or now Total Bellas, is on air, she's a baby face. As soon as it goes off air, it's okay for her to be heel again. So we got to see exactly when this show stops. None of this stuff makes sense. Like All of it is pretty useless. And I have no idea what they're going to do. Because if Randy Orton turns heel, because I, I assume that Randy Orton and AJ Styles would be your next few for the yeah. title. But this, whatever was the reason that they had Randy just RKO Kane, like, I don't get it. And maybe it is to, to play mind games with Bray Wyatt. Maybe he's just he... RKOing everyone. Maybe he's just a loose cannon. I don't know, He's not man. heel. He's not face. He's going to RKO pointless. everyone. Maybe he RKO, RKOs like three random people and then RKOs AJ Styles at Survivor Series. There's just no costing AJ. point. There's just no point to any of this. Because, like, when it happened... Because nobody cares about Kane enough for it to be like a real turn. Like Kane got RKO and everybody got him like shrugged their shoulders like, surprise, big deal. Yeah, Ooh. no one cares about Kane. I don't know. SmackDown, uh, whatever. I don't even have much to say about SmackDown. Tag team so titles, my man. The contenders right now are people we haven't seen in a decade. In the Spirit Squad. That, that silence, I just... Let that, let that sink in. They came out of nowhere. That's how crazy the tag team division is. I haven't seen American Alpha. It's the bad. other match was the Hype Bros versus the Ascension, and the Ascension are now getting weekly vignettes. Or Dude, it's bad. It's bad. Like, the best thing that happened on SmackDown this week was Nikki Bella's STF because it looked really brutal. Like, that, like it looked really good. Nikki Bella says, like, she took her, her boyfriend's move and made it look really good. Other than that, SmackDown was just a big waste of time. Yeah, and this is the first week where I was like, oh, man, SmackDown, you let me down. Everything let me down. So let's make our predictions real quick for Hell in a Cell before we move on to boxing and MMA. All right, Hell in a Cell, we have Reigns versus Rusev, which should open the show. Oh, boy. Um, can't take the title off of Roman Reigns that quick, can you? So I guess he's going to have to beat Rusev. Again. I hate. I, I yeah. don't want to see it, but 
I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Reigns beats Rusev. Um, hopefully they have a good match. They're kind of hamstrung because what can you do? You can't dismantle the cage because they still need it. Um, <laughs> you can't break the tables. That shit is still needed all night. So it's like, what are you doing inside of there? Um, I don't understand what's going to happen. It's just like a normal match in, inside of the cell. And that's why you can't have three Hell in the Cells. And that's why you can't have Hell in the Cell matches in the PG era. You completely missed the point of a Hell in the Cell match. Yeah, you, there's, there's, there's no Hell in the Cell. It's, you know, yeah, there's, that should be, it should be called Heck in the Cell. <laughs> that's what it should be called. Heck in the Cell. Heck in a cage. Moderate angst. Inside of a <laughs> inside of a cell, like you know, oh, just man. say what it is. Um, T.J. Perkins versus Brian Kendrick. If Brian Kendrick doesn't go over, there's, I mean, I, I don't understand what what Monday Night was all about. But T.J. Perkins has to win. He just got the title, no, so I, he has to be strong. I have Kendrick winning. Yeah, I don't see the point in Kendrick winning. Alexander's next. Swan is next. No, they don't have any personality. T.J. has like the super dope ring entrance. T.J. has been the one that's been highlighted. TJ is the one that's been pretty much everywhere. To have him lose the Cruiserweight title completely negates the fact that it even exists because it becomes pointless. Now all it is is a match that happens when they have to change the goddamn lights to purple in the ropes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, they better have a heel that comes in and, and gets the DQ or something. something Neville has get. to turn heel because Neville is doing nothing. Not a damn thing. Um, maybe the beard. They don't like the beard. I don't know. Something Since he got the beard, he's just not been the same. Goodness. Um, right. New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus. This Come is on. pretty easy. Come on. I mean, it's just no way. Like, for them to keep teasing, like, if they. The, it's the, the last pay per view that they can lose, by the way. Well, see, Survivor Series, they'll be in a five man tag. Like, the, the tell is how much the, the team of Cole and Graves have been in, in terrible Brian, Byron Saxton, who's not as bad as uh, Otunga, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the fact that. They're in one hell of a competition. Yeah, they keep mentioning Demolition's tag team record. Like, the same thing when Nikki Bella was the women's champion. It was like, dude, she's not going to lose because you won't shut the fuck up about it. Like, it's a tell. It's like having a poker hand, it's like smiling behind your poker hand. Like, dude, they're not going to lose. If they lose, then it's, this was all dumb to even tease it in the first place. So, yes, the New Day has to go over on Cesaro and Sheamus, and Cesaro and Sheamus have to go to oblivion because I have no idea what they can do after this. Somebody got to go to SmackDown, and for my money, it's Cesaro. Should have been there the whole time. If this is how Absolutely. you get him over there, then fine. Yeah, well, it's not going to happen, but that's what we'd like to see. Um, Enzo and Cass versus Gallows and Anderson. I have Gallows and Anderson winning because we need heels to exactly. really upset the New Day. Maybe we have Enzo and Cass and the New Day versus Gallows and Anderson and three more heels at Survivor Series. Well, what I think the smart thing to do here is have Gallows and Anderson win, beat Enzo and Cass. Have them all team up for the, the Survivor Series match, which the Survivor Series match is going to be really strange because SmackDown really needs to make a statement. But there's just no way in hell that the SmackDown tag teams hold a candle to the ones on Smack on Raw. It just there's there's no comparison here. So unless the only people who could go over in the tag team Survivor Series match on the SmackDown side of things are American Alpha because they need it. On Raw, the best thing you could possibly do is have Gals and Anderson run roughshod over everybody to create the monster heel image. So Gals and Anderson have to be Enzo and Cass. They have to. Because if they don't, then this, again, has been another pointless feud. Yeah, it would make no sense. Um, but that's how feuds have been going lately, so I don't have that much hope. Uh, Bailey versus Dana Brooke. I have Bailey winning just because. I, I don't she know. 
I don't know if that sets her up for a run with Charlotte after this or if it sets her up right into a picture with Sasha Banks and maybe Sasha returns to being heel, which was always great. The best NXT Sasha was heel Sasha, so we'll see. I mean, Bailey's got to win, but I think the weird trajectory of the women's division is the winner of this match, which will be Bailey, will be thrust in the title picture. The smart thing to do in a weird way is the loser of Charlotte and Sasha needs to feud with Nia Jax because there's no other women left. <laughs> like, there's none. No. It's, it's so, and there's Dana Brooke, but there's no women. Who, Alicia Fox? So the loser has to get in a feud with Nia Jax, and Bailey needs to be thrust into the title picture. Which but makes then you set like, up the loser to lose twice, exactly. which is always rough. It's, it's all bad, though. Dana so anyway, Brooke has to feud after losing to Bailey with Nia Jax and take no. two L. Bottom line, Bailey's going to win against Dana Brooke. There's just, it's pointless to do it any other way. This is a very predictable pay-per-view, by the way. Yes. Uh, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. This is Sasha a tough one, actually. Sasha just the back. Are they just going to play hot potato? This, this is tough. Um, Charlotte has been a, a revelation as a heel. Like I said, she had a hard time when she first came in. She felt very forced. She felt very scripted. But she's been really, really good since. And... I think at this point, Charlotte without the title is not the same. Like Sasha with Sasha chasing the title was like a big deal. And with all the work concerns about Sasha's health, especially going into this match, I think that Charlotte needs to go over with it and hold that title. And I I can't see, really see it. I can see Sasha winning. But I think it's more important for Sasha to have a great match and then come up injured, <laughs> like even scripted or not scripted, <laughs> then have to have Charlotte lose this match and then be stuck in basic women's division purgatory because I can't see Charlotte and Nia Jax feuding. I can't see Charlotte feuding with anybody unless, unless this is the only other thing, unless Sar- Sasha beats Charlotte and then just throw Nia Jax into the main event picture. And then Charlotte feuds, feuds with Bailey to see who gets back into the title contention. That's the only other way I can see it happening. That's not bad. But then I guess you create a monster to make her lose. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, essentially the fact that you haven't had Nia Jax on TV for about four weeks now. And to have her just to, to show back up um, and feud with Sasha would be kind of weird. And it would have been smarter if they had been building Nia Jax to this position. Yeah, but they could have played the Kane angle where she comes in, rips the door off the Hell in the Cell, and beats the hell out of both of them. Yeah, but, but well, we don't want to see any interference in this match. Like, we want to see Charlotte and Sasha have a match. and, and have winner. a great match before the end. It didn't ruin Taker and Shawn Michaels, did it? Yeah, but no, that's different. Like, Taker and Shawn Michaels, with the, the Kane arrival was a big deal because the Kane story it was teased. Was, yeah, but it was huge. Yeah. Like, it was a huge story. Oh. Nia Jax is not a huge story. Any interference in the Charlotte and Sasha match would take away, and it'll feel like Vince Russo booking, which is what I don't want to see. So, um, but I think Charlotte's going to go over here because I don't think Nia's ready to be in the title picture with Sasha Banks. So I think Charlotte goes over and ends up feuding with Bailey for the title. I think Sasha keeps the belt. Um, they buy a month and figure out who's going to feud with her. I think I, there's still a woman's five on five. I believe at Survivor Series, so they'll make someone turn on her. It'd have to be Nia Jax, dude. It has to be like Nia Jax is the only person. Like the Survivor Series women's match 
will be Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss. Natalia's not in anymore. So it'll be Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss, Naomi, Nikki Bella, and who am I missing? Carmella. Carmella. Against Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, boy. Dana, Dana and Nia and Jax. Nia Jax. Yep. They only so, got 10. The division only 10 strong. So, like, what'll happen, unless the WWE thinks we're really stupid, which they usually do, what'll happen is that they'll put these women together and say, we got four on five, we need another partner. And then Nia Jax will come out as the big fifth partner in the Survivor Series. Like, nobody knew it was going to be her. Yeah. Like, that's the only other way they could really, there's not too many ways they can play this with Nia, but they've, they've kind of ruined it. So, I don't know, maybe she comes out with new ring gear. Like, Nia Jax has had, like, seven finishing moves since arriving, so hopefully they figure out she what She needs the power bomb, and she needs new ring gear, because that shit just looks horrible. Yeah, they just, went for the whole uh, awesome Kong shit or whatever. It's not working. Nah, no, nope, nope, nope. So yeah, there's, there's, and then we got the uh, the main event, Kevin Owens. Well, not the main event, the title, the Universal Title match, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. There's just no way in hell Kevin Owens is losing this match. No, no way. Um, I don't know. It's it could steal the show though. A show that's not too hard to steal. These guys are still great wrestlers. When put in position to just wrestle. They do amazing shit, so I'm down to see it. I don't know if we get a Triple H interference again. It'd be uh, not yet. cool back-to-back pay-per-views, have them disappear again, and Rollins just like, I'm fed up with this shit. Um, you never know. It'd be cool. I, I would love the idea if, they, if he did cost Rollins for them to finally blend NXT and, and main roster a little bit, where, you know, Triple H always gives, like, the entrance to NXT. Um... If Rollins just went and just beat the shit out of him to open up NXT Toronto, like, yo, if you're not going to come to me, I'm going to come and just whoop your ass real quick. Um, That'd be super dope. But NXT Triple H isn't heel Triple H. No, NXT Triple H is big. Yeah, so it's hard to blend the lines. Even though it's still best for business, Triple H, when all is said and done, it's just best for business is now NXT. Like, every year we go through the same time between... After SummerSlam, before the Royal Rumble, where the WWE is just kind of figuring things out. Um, sometimes they, they do things and they find out, whoa, this really works. Like when they put, um, I believe, CM Punk started the straightest society. I'm trying to remember if it was during this time. Like they try things. Like Kevin Owens being a champion at this time is trying things. But a lot of things get lost in the shuffle, and it feels like they just kind of buy their time until Royal Rumble comes. Because when Mania season comes, all those feuds are built off of Royal Rumble. But it's just when you have these two, this brand split, and you split it up so t- like it's just really been a piss poor job of splitting the brands up. So I have no idea what they're going to do because Survivor Series is clearly going to be a SmackDown versus Raw thing with you know Lesnar and Goldberg headlining. But um. Other than that, it's just no real clear direction for anybody right now. Nobody really has anywhere to go. It's wrestling purgatory right now. It surely is. Um, before we switch gears and take a quick break so everyone can check out the survey and make sure they fill that out, uh, I want to talk NXT real quick because we haven't given it too much time. But there's some new stuff popping up. Insanity debuted uh, a couple weeks back, which is dope. We see them now making their way through the tag team classic. What do you think about the stable? Like, do you think it's something that runs going forward? We haven't seen a stable, you know, with four or more people probably since the Wyatts. Yeah. Um, they have a chick who is Nikki Cross. All, Nikki Cross, who's a really good wrestler from Ireland. Um, she's really going to get off. Her character seems to fit their mold. 
she blended into that. So that should be a good push. We know we need more women and she's ready made. So how do you feel like the division is going forward or that stable is going forward? Um, I think Sanity's already been booked better than the Wyatts in, in NXT, which is crazy to say. Because Wyatts should have been booked so much better than what they were. The Wyatt, do you remember the Wyatts in the, in the Shield feuding? It felt like the Wyatts were going to be the next big things, and they weren't. Yeah. Um, well, because Sanity- the, the tag team could never be established. They right. never gave the other two members their just due. Right. So in the case of Sanity, I think it's they're, they're being handled well. For some reason, that song is always stuck in my head. Um Eric Young being the head of Sanity was smart because I was just asking about him a few weeks ago. Like, where the hell is Eric Young? Uh, so he's perfect to head the stable. And this I'm is curious. like the crazy TNA, Eric Young. Yeah. So I'm curious how this all plays out, especially with the, the, the tag team class. I'm, I'm figuring Sanity finds a way to get themselves eliminated from the tag team class because I don't see anybody beating the Authors of Pain. So... Sanity should get far, but I think they establish themselves as a... I think they a, run into TM61 sooner or later. Who? Maybe they get DQ'd. You think TM61 is going over on, over on Roderick and uh, Austin Aries? I think so. I don't. I don't, I don't see that. And we'll talk yeah. about Roddy coming up, but I, I think now that... I called him Kenta again. Oh, shit. Uh, Tommy is injured again. I, I think we see Roddy versus Aries as that few. Who's the face? I don't think the crowd knows anything about Roderick Strong yet. So you play Roderick Strong however it is. Austin Aries was a quote-unquote face his first match. They they just didn't qualify Aries as anything until No Way Jose, and then he beat the hell out of him. You're like, oh, okay, he's a, he's a heel. Uh, hmm. I, I don't think they give you like a a way to go for like the first month or two. They just kind of fill it out. Joe was just in the middle. Ended up the biggest heel in the company. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the bracket. So, and there's a lot of heels, by the way, in NXT. Yeah, which is I'm totally fine with. Like, not enough so, faces. So the Re- revival, they get Gargano and Champa in the next round. I feel like the revival have to lose this tournament. I, I, I just don't think it makes sense for them to be the tag champions and win the tournament. No. But the weird thing about the bracket is the revival's got Gargano and Champa in the next round. On the other side of that. The Authors of Pain are facing uh, No Way Jose and Swan, which the Authors of Pain are just going to run them over. Correct. So the Authors of Pain are either going to wrestle The Revival or Gargano and Ciampa. I think the Authors of Pain win either way. I don't think the Authors of Pain are going to lose the TM61 or uh, Aries and Strong or Sanity or Abushi and Perkins. I don't think the Authors of Pain are going to lose. Like They've been established as like a monster heel tag team. Yeah. And and with Paul Ellering, like they don't speak English, whatever. And it, it just seems like but it seems like they need to be prepped to run roughshod. Even as a heel faction, I feel like I don't have a problem with them beating the revival. I, I think Gargano and Ciampa have to beat the revival. Um maybe setting up a another title match at NXT Toronto. Cause uh, the finals of this tournament are going to be at NXT Toronto. So whoever's in the finals can't be in the title contention. So if you give Gargano and Ciampa, you know, they beat them again and then go forward and say, we want that title shot again. It sets up well for Authors of Pain to win and face either one, to tell you the truth. They're, they're being built as monster heels as a tag team where they can go and face another smaller heel faction. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're um, so, yeah, their persona as heels are so big, they can fight anyone. 
and, and the the kicker to the Gargano Champa thing is everybody's waiting for Champa to turn on Gargano. They like it just feels like one of them is going to turn on the other. So if they were to beat the Revival and then lose to the Revival again at, at the Toronto pay per view, it'd be the perfect time to turn one of them. Um, because that's what they do with tag teams. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that's what they do with tag teams. Yeah. Tag teams that tag forever are going to split up, and one person has to be the Marty Jannetty. And I don't know who it's going to be, but we I think, all know. I mean, Johnny Wrestling is not the Marty Jannetty. No, Johnny Wrestling but, is ready for the main roster. They just can't split them up yet. They don't. But Champa is really good, and Champa would be like the easy thing to do would be to make Champa the the heel to Gargano's face. But they could go the exact opposite direction. They could go Gargano as the heel. Has Johnny been a heel before? Yeah, he's been a heel before. Yeah. But um, either way, I'm looking at this as, yeah, what you're saying could probably happen. It's, it's interesting. NXT has things that could happen that could be all interesting. The only thing that's not interesting is the women's division. But everything else is fine. Yeah, the, I mean, and the women's division is just kind of on a pause. Um, they're letting them develop. It's a developmental still. So yeah. they have stuff moving. It's just developmental. If I had to project the future of the women's division, I, I say Ember Moon around WrestleMania time beats Asuka, gets the title, and then we see the chick from Insanity against Ember Moon. I don't even know if she's ready yet. Like, uh, like chick like from I Insanity see... or Ember Moon? Uh, uh, Nikki Cross from Insanity. I have they they this, both have a... like legit ass wrestling backgrounds. Yeah, but my issue with with Cross right now is like, and it's not it's a minor issue, and it's six it, months. <laughs> Yeah, but what, I mean, it is six months. But my issue right now with Cross is how is she going to be handled with insanity? Like, I don't think the, tr- the crazy chick thing, insanity, like jumping on everybody as like little pit bull, is getting over with the crowd. But we'll see how, how it all plays out. Yeah, right yeah, now, I don't, I just I don't think see. it's going to get over until she does the same shit and beats the hell out of some women. Yeah, so I don't know. Beating but, up on guys while they're down is just like you're a valet until they yeah. see her wrestle like a legit woman. Um, I don't know if it's at this pay per view either. So. Maybe her first like legit solo match is at the WrestleMania takeover. Possibly. Um, what else do we have? And the last thing to talk about is Ricochet through a roundabout way on Twitter. Um, Kaz, also a friend of the podcast, uh, found out that Lucha Underground was going to be in Texas, same time he was for Henny Palooza. He was just like, yo, Ricochet, you got to hook me up with some tickets. In which Ricochet responds... I don't mess with them no more. They don't give me anything. <laughs> in a roundabout way, that is what he said. I don't have the direct tweet in front of me. But he's no longer with Lucha Underground. Kind of spoiling the next season. The, the, yeah. the current season, season that's going on. And declaring that he is, in fact, a free agent. Well, see, I don't know what his deal with New Japan is right now. So I don't know if he's necessarily a full-fledged free agent. Um, but it seems to be leaning towards that way. Um, I know what you think this means, that he instantly comes to NXT and takes over. It's but coming. I I have my concerns with Ricochet coming to NXT now. Like, because there was a wave when NXT was super hot and was bringing in the right people and they had the right people to feud with each other. I don't think Ricochet needs to be brought in right now. I think well, Mania weekend, right? I mean, yeah, I don't even know if it's a Mania weekend. I just feel like... Um, I want him to be handled right, and I don't want him to be Apollo Crews. So 
I just need this to be. I, whenever he does come, I just need it to be established and, and either the proper promo package and everything to be done. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him right when the WWE is floundering because that's what's really what's happening right now. Is he, all three companies are not as strong as they were a year ago. And uh, when and when I say three, Raw and SmackDown were one, but they're all kind of floundering a bit. And I don't want to see Ricochet just thrown into that because they haven't figured out what, what they're doing with guys like Cruz. So they I'm bring not, another. I'm not sure if NXT is floundering. It's not as strong as it was last year, and that's a fact. No, that's that's true, but I mean, they're catching their steam again. They, I mean, if anything, I mean, the brand split came at just a weird time. They're six they're, months into a brand split where they got rated for talent, and most of the talent shouldn't have gone, and the guys that should have gone stayed. Well, th- th- there's the other thing. It's like, all right, so Samoa Joe loses to Nakamura, which everybody expects to happen in Toronto. Does Samoa Joe get pushed to the main roster at the Royal Rumble? If so, I think so. whoever loses that match gets pushed to the main roster at the Rumble. If so, losing Samoa Joe weakens NXT again because Samoa Joe is... How do you figure when you have Bobby Roode ready? Bobby, Bobby Roode's ready, but he's not that ready. And I'm going I'm to show you why when you see him wrestle against Ty Dillinger at, at Toronto. Roode's is entrance is ready. He's but as ready in, as he's going to be. But his in-ring style doesn't lend itself to being a top-tier talent. Watch him wrestle. How much better is that going to be? He's a veteran. He knows how to wrestle in front of a camera due to years in TNA. It's not like he came from the indies. But that's my point. So like his Rude. style is what it is. But it, like Rude. He's not going to learn anything. You're not going to teach an old dog new tricks. Is Rude going to be a champion? Like you look at like, here's my point. Yes. And the it, promo package and the robe and everything else leans to it. I don't know. Here's, here's what I'm saying. The champions of NXT have had a very distinct in-ring style. From Neville to Kevin Owens to Finn Balor to Nakamura to Samoa Joe. Bobby Roode's in-ring style is not even close to those guys. You can't survive off of your entrance forever. Right? He's one hell of a character on the mic. He has one hell of a gimmick. He has a great gimmick, but a lot of guys who have great gimmicks don't that doesn't necessarily lend them to be great champions. And you're only as strong as your champion in NXT. And they've had great champions. I love Rude's entrance, but I when I watch him wrestle, it's not exciting. No, Samoa, I, his finisher is horrible. Exactly, and there is my point. You can't put that guy as the head of NXT because, like, guys, like, we're going to see what happens with Roderick Strong. You guys got guys like Austin Aries. You have Shinsuke Nakamura, who everybody believes will not be on the NXT roster this time next year. But the, the guys who are at the top are all dynamic. Samoa Joe is always, like, I always say, he's like my favorite wrestler. But if he goes to SmackDown, we don't know what's going to happen to him. But he is the reason why NXT is relevant. He was the perfect champion for Nakamura to go over on. When he's gone, a Nakamura rude feud isn't necessarily the thing that I'm looking forward to for in-ring because that's what TakeOver has done so well. Like the Bobby Roode package is perfect for the main roster. But his in-ring has a lot to be desired. I would argue that he only has to wrestle... Three times in three months in NXT, so he can be the champion. I, I just—it doesn't make sense for me to make him champion. He's not—he's not what I look forward to watching in the ring. And NXT takes pride of what happens in the ring. This is the first character that they've had, Bobby Roode, whose whose entrance and out and his personality supersedes his talent in the ring. Correct. There's, there's been nobody else like that. And if you make him your champion, you're essentially just doing Raw and SmackDown on NXT. Because his gimmick's more over than his talent. 
There's a lot of other people he can wrestle that can go. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who? I mean, if you put him against, excluding Ty Dillinger, who is fine as a character. He's a top-class jobber. But Nakamura can go. How, is that going to be a horrible match? But this is going to be a great match. Is it going to be the match that everybody's looking forward to see? Like, is, I think is the that... build-up would make it that match before people noticed at the pay-per-view they kind of got hoodwinked. I think people see it before that. Like, the, at best, Nakamura and Rude is a four-star match. And that's at the best. And that's, that's me giving – because the other thing about Nakamura, as much as we love Nakamura, the fact remains that he goes into cruise control sometimes during his matches. They're not always great. He's a great charisma, great character, but he's only as good as the person that he's in the ring with. There's certain people like AJ Styles who are just good. And there's been times where Nakamura has cruised through matches. And a Nakamura rude feud, I'm just, I'm not sold. Like, Nakamura putting over rude is like Hogan putting over Ultimate Warrior. Like, <laughs> Rude's not ready to carry NXT on his back. He's not that just guy. Just has to be ready by WrestleMania. He's not, but he won't be ready. There is nothing about Rude's in-ring ability that screams NXT. Then they have to sign, then who? Aries? No. Then it's not the guy. It's Nakamura and Jill right now, unless they so find the a guy way. isn't on the roster right now. Is what you're telling me, then? Unless you really, unless it's Kota Ibushi, unless it's, I mean, that's even, it. Even you know, possibly could be Johnny Gargano. Possibly, he could eventually ascend to that role. Um, we don't know how they're going to handle Roderick Strong, but. It's just it's you gotta have like they've tried to, they've done so well with the in ring ability like every he'll take see, maybe heel seeing Amos comes together nah. well. Nah, I, I doubt. Don't, it. Listen, I don't have faith, but I mean you never know the heel character playing a Del Rio role that shit might take off. Like like my point is, is he like, has the in ring, but you can't do Raw SmackDown things on NXT. Like you can't have the gimmick. Better than the end ring. Like the end ring is what, and it, like the reason why NXT got over was because of what they did inside of the ring. Yeah. If you look at every takeover, those main events and the wrestling is what got them over. American Alpha didn't get over because of their gimmick. People got on their side because they were wrestlers. The revival were great tag team psychologists, they're great wrestlers. Bobby Roode's not a great wrestler. He's a good wrestler. He is, he is a, um, I, I don't want to categorize him as a, like a Ryback, but. He's <laughs> Damn, there's you fall but, way down the ladder. You get to the right back stage. I'm not like rude is there's nothing when I watch rude wrestle that stands out to me because everyone else is so amazing at wrestling in NXT. No, I've just watched TNA for a long time. And I watched rude and TMA when he was a part of James Storm and America's most wanted rude was never that guy in ring to me. Never. No, but it's just like, how bad is he? He's pretty he's bad compared bad, but... to like the other people who are amazing wrestlers around him. But that's that's my point. If you stick your flag, your NXT flag in Bobby Roode and say this is our, this is our guy, our, our the the uh, the benchmark for in and in ring ability, because that's what the NXT Championship is all about. Is Bobby Roode? That's a bad sign. So it's a big ass Intercontinental Championship, is what you're saying? Yeah. But I just I, right I, I, unless Roode finds a new finisher, unless his his in ring improves immensely. Like Rude and Nakamura is a good few, but I don't want. I can't see Rude going over on Nakamura. Like him, Nakamura handing the title to Rude and then handing the reins of NXT to Bobby Rude. Now, love the ring entrance, but even the ring entrance, you can't say that that's Bobby Rude. That was maybe that's a Triple H idea. I don't know. 
probably, I mean, he put a lot behind that. I'll tell you that much. Like, like, Rude could lose to Nakamura, go to the main roster, and flourish. Like, Rude could be great on the main roster, but Rude... But Nak has NXT, to move up at WrestleMania. WrestleMania has to be Nak's swan song. Well, yeah, everybody feels that way, but, you know, we'll see what happens. All right, well, NXT seems to have more storylines than the main roster right now. At least we don't know what's going to happen. It's not predictable. A lot of shit can change before NXT take over Toronto and definitely before TakeOver WrestleMania comes around. But right now, what has changed for us is we got to kick it to break. When we come back, we're going to talk boxing for a second and then get right into MMA. Some big things happening in both, not this weekend necessarily, but coming up that we have to discuss. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right. You know, like do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to the cornersurvey.com. Once again, that's the cornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like. And then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. What up, everybody? Thanks for taking that survey. It means a lot to us. You know, we're here because of you guys. So doing those little things for us always helps. Right now, we're here to talk boxing. And not much going on this weekend. So we don't really have anything to preview. Or anything to recap. But the boxing season seems to be turning up. And the first thing to get us going in a couple weeks is Pacquiao versus Vargas. We got some film of Pacquiao sparring. He's now in the States. No more Senator Pacquiao. He's ripped off the dress gear like Cesaro in WWE. And he's ready to get into the ring. We're hearing talks about future fights already. I thought this was a guy who was damn near at retirement in May. But now we, it seems like we might get two more years of Pacquiao. Are you excited for Pacquiao-Vargas yet, Andreas? We, we got to be there. So it, no. it's been a while since we've been at a fight. I'm never going to be excited for that fight. Ever. Yeah. I'm more excited. To be honest with you, like, I'm more excited on that card to see Jesse Magdaleno and uh, Nonito Donaire. I'm looking forward to that fight more than Pacquiao-Vargas. There's just nothing about this fight that makes me want to like, watch it. And I'm going to be there. Is even even the branching storylines all lead to one per, two people, Terrence Crawford and Floyd Mayweather, both of whom would Manny Pacquiao would probably lose to. So, and I'm not, I'm not even sold. Like if I'm a betting man, I might take a flyer on Jesse Vargas. And I, and you know how I feel about Jesse. <laughs> oh <Vargas>. my god, <laughs> that's but, something I never thought I'd hear. Woo. But my, my 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 thing about Manny Pacquiao is. His time commitment to boxing, I'm curious about. 
I'm really curious about how much time he's been able to dedicate to his craft because he's not young Manny Pacquiao. Like he's not just gonna, he's not even Floyd Mayweather. He's not gonna just snap into it. Jesse Vargas is the perfect guy for you to run over because he looks, his record looks a lot better than what he is. But has Pacquiao spent enough time in the gym to just go out there and run over Jesse Vargas? I'm not sure. Manny Pacquiao seems like a guy. No, he doesn't seem like a guy. He is a guy who emotionally, whatever he's going on outside of the ring, affects his in-ring. When he was, when him and Jinky were going through it, it affected the third Marquez fight. Like when you, if he's not training, you can see it. When he's hurt, you can see it. Like everything, there's no mystery behind Manny Pacquiao. He fights one way. It's fun, but he fights one way. And if he slows down, you know he's ripe for the picking. I don't think Jesse's going to beat him. Uh, I'll be honest. I think Manny Pacquiao should. I don't think Jesse Vargas is that good. But I just, I'm not. There's nothing for me to get excited about this fight. Jesse Vargas is not a guy that you can convince me would beat Manny Pacquiao any other day, but when Pacquiao's a senator and doesn't have time to train. Yeah, no, I'm, not a, and I still think Pacquiao has enough to still beat Jesse. Uh, I mean, we've sat there for Jesse Vargas fights before. We've seen him lose with our two eyes and be awarded decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to happen against Manny. It's just not. No. He's not going to pull the hoodwink on Manny. Um, I, I actually think Manny will KO him. And, I and, and, so. and I think we, you know, we move on to... Sadly to say, a Mayweather rematch. Nah, no. In May, I, I think that's the biggest money fight Mayweather can get. And I have my own theories on Conor McGregor's huge announcement after, uh, you know, UFC 205. And I'll pra- probably actually put a piece together on that and what I assume he will say or what I guess he will say as his huge announcement, which isn't that huge and probably expected by many. But I, I doubt that that's a Floyd Mayweather announcement. So Floyd is uh, down to only a few options if he wants one more payday. Dude, I don't think Floyd's coming back. <laughs> like I keep, I, look, we'll preview, we'll pre- officially preview Pacquiao Vargas next next week during fight week. But I've been one of the few people who said from day one, Floyd's not coming back. He's not. He's not coming back. I don't the know. More, to the come more back against passes, another part timer. But, dude, the more time that passes, do you really think Floyd's sitting there going, man, I missed this fight game. All these millions in my bank account. I need to fight somebody. <laughs> no. He probably he's, does not miss getting punched in the face. Dude, he's like 39, dude. He's going to be 39 next year. He's not I – don't, I don't – I've said it from day one. Like, once he walks away, I think he's done. Because it's not necessarily the money. Because he, even though he loves the money, he's got a lot of it. I think it's the rigors of gearing up for another fight. And I think Floyd Mayweather is smart enough to know that he's just not into it anymore. So even a Pacquiao fight, while the money sounds good, you think Floyd Mayweather has no point to prove against Manny Pacquiao. What's he going to prove? They can beat him again? We already saw him beat him once. Yeah. And now it's, I don't know, now it's like the geriatric league. But yeah, it's like people will you pay. Get up, they'll pay a little yeah. bit. They won't pay they'll $100, pay a, but they'll yeah. pay. But that's my point. Like, I don't think Floyd's going to do a fight that doesn't break the record he already set. I don't think Floyd's doing it just to be arbitrarily fighting. I think he needs to be motivated. And no matter what Manny Pacquiao does against Jesse Vargas, Floyd Mayweather's A, not watching the fight, and B, it's not going to motivate Floyd Mayweather to get in the ring. The next logical fight is for Manny Pacquiao's swan song to get beat up by Terrence Crawford. That'd be great for HBO and top rank. But I don't know if Aram sees the long game. He does. He has to make a star. I think he sees the now. And if Floyd says, I'm the now, 
He'll push Terrence Wright to the back. Well, of course he would, but I, but nobody. I just don't think Floyd Mayweather is motivated to get back in the ring to fight Manny Pacquiao again. Even though the money is the great equalizer, and everybody says it, but no matter what Manny Pacquiao does, it's not something that people are going to go, "Oh shit, we got to see him fight Floyd." Nothing he can do. It's really you have to well, build two up. Not, what three knockdowns versus Bradley, and now a knockout isn't enough for people to say, no. ah, "I think his shoulder's better." No, because nobody watched the Bradley fight. Nobody Just cares. Just a highlight package. That's all that matters. He put together well, enough for a highlight, highlight package. package. The who people who are going to sell this shit on ESPN and SportsCenter and no. fucking Stephen A. and Skip Bayless on their separate shows. And they're going to say, Pacquiao really was injured. Look at everything he's done. He's nope. back to the old Pacquiao. Nope. They, they, dude, beating up Jesse Vargas says nothing. To casual it, fans, it's all they need. No, no. What's Jesse's record? That's, no, but Jesse... Casual fans are going to be sell, sold the same BS as they were before. No, What's Tim, Timothy Bradley? Avenged? Dominated. No, Jesse nobody Vargas, cares. What is, what is Vargas' record? Okay, he must have been a legit contender. Pacquiao That's knocked him out. You know how many people that Gennady Golovkin beat up with that were either undefeated or had one loss on their record? Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Jesse that's Vargas just, is not... Dude, Jesse Vargas is not somebody that's going to... That's like... But Pacquiao's dude. already established. They just need to reestablish him. How many how many pay per views does fight sell? Being reestablished. How many fights does this pay per view sell? I mean, how many how many buys? You want me to be generous? Two hundred. Two hundred thousand. You think that sets up a, a Floyd Mayweather fight? You think that heightens anticipation? I think a knockout will give the major networks enough to sell to casual fans. Absolutely not. There is nothing about Manny Pacquiao knocking out Jesse Vargas is going to sell shit. Listen, I'm smart enough to know this. I'm just not well, a casual fan. People are fan. smart enough to know it. Like, if nobody's buying, if nobody bought Pacquiao Bradley, nobody's really not buying Pacquiao uh, Vargas. Hell no. Especially two weeks before Ward Kovalev. Now, if you can't sell Pacquiao Vargas, if Pacquiao Vargas does 200,000, which is an abysmal number, because Canelo, Canelo did 300,000. Yeah, it might do 150. Two. 200 is generous, by the way. But even, but even if it does 300,000, even if it did do 300,000, nothing in those 300,000 people that watch that fight are going to look at him because, dude, it's like Chris Algieri all over again. Nothing in there says, I'm just going to fight Floyd Mayweather. Because the allure of what happened with Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao is gone. It's over. That's out the window. There's no mystery in this fight. Like, Manny Pacquiao would need to throw one punch and knock out Jesse Vargas. <laughs> if this thing goes any longer than 13 seconds, nobody cares. There's no way you can, you can convince If he knocks who, him down twice and just KOs him in the fourth. Nobody cares. Nobody they'll build cares. the narrative. They will nobody build the narrative cares. and people will come. I'm telling you. And you're going to be no. looking like, yo, they fell for the jig? Like, they how won't. did people fall for this shit? Because who's, who's watching this fight? Who's even talking about That's me? That's the benefit of it, is that no. people aren't going to watch the actual fight. They're going to see a highlight package. You can you, sell a lot to little people. Dude, you, you really think that boxing is in a place right now that can draw casual fans in with some bullshit highlight package? I think, yes, they can draw casual fans in with a bullshit highlight package. The excuse that Pacquiao's shoulder was really injured and that he's back to 100% and get a million and a half people to buy a $60 pay-per-view to see Pacquiao and Mayweather again. Yep, I think they can. Hands down, in my sleep, I think they can sell that. And I think the Skip Bayless and the Stephen A's 
and maybe the only person that'll see the legit-ass thing is Max Kellerman, and people will be like, shut up, Max, on first take, and they will rush to buy it, and they'll be like, oh, the last one was 100, it's only 60, why not? I, I mean, I think... And I think they go a mil and a half. You're doing it, you're doing it at the detriment of boxing if you make that fight happen again. Because, again... I think they're going to really, money grab. No, the, the best mean, thing for boxing is Terrence Crawford. You are correct. But, I mean, the best thing for everybody. Because nobody, like... I really think that that Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fight left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Now, if you if you do it for sixty, yeah, it'll sell a million, and it's going to really be based off the fact that Floyd Mayweather's coming back more than anything else. It's not even based on the fact that Manny can even fight. Manny's watched, dude. Yo, I, I, of, I mean, trust. I believe. Okay, you know just, what? Manny's he's not top level. Manny, I still think he could beat a lot of these top ten guys. No, I, dude, I agree with you, but, but I think the no, best, yeah, the the best thing you can do is. And not even the best, because if you're going for the money grab, of course you do Mayweather pack out. But I don't think Floyd's motivated for that fight. But I think I don't think Manny is outside of trying to get that change. Bob Arum, the best thing he can do is establish Terrence Crawford as that next guy. Yep. But and, I, and with without Manny Pacquiao, Terrence Crawford has nobody. None. I mean, that's that's his golden ticket. So it's like that's the fight you gotta make. You gotta at least build Manny to, to beat Jesse Vargas, say, oh, well, you know, Manny. Lost to Floyd Mayweather, blah, blah, blah. Shoulder, and, shoulder, shoulder. Yeah, and then Blame you have to fight Terrence Crawford. And then Terrence Crawford wins. You go, oh, shit, here's our next guy. He could be Floyd Mayweather, even though Floyd Mayweather is long gone. Is you, you have to establish Terrence Crawford. But it is what it is. I mean, It's just how, that, much, how much does Manny versus Crawford sell? I mean, it's, it's not going to sell that well. Exactly. So now is you're it, looking at a difference in maybe 800,000 pay-per-view buys. Yeah, I mean, it's not – dude, I'm just saying. It's not going to sell that well. The whole point is that – uh, they do this because you have you have to do it for the betterment of boxing. Yeah, I mean, you you can go for the money grab, but you're doing it at the detriment of boxing. So it's like you're ruining boxing. I just saw sense. the entire 2016 year. They're doing a lot of shit to the detriment of boxing. No, that's so what I'm saying. I, too. I'm just going. I'm just going with the flow and with the norm. I just. I mean, I hope they figure it out. But anyway, like nobody, whatever. Yeah. Um, Showtime also announced their fights, though. Talking about moving forward. And what's for the best of boxing? They announced some fights for 2017, um, for the end of 2016. A couple we knew, a couple we didn't. Danny Cherry picking Garcia will fight this spring against Keith One Time Thurman. Does this now just negate the fight that they already booked for Danny Garcia? It, I mean, that fight negated itself when it was announced. So it's really. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, damn, like, should I even watch that? Like, what are you doing? No, you don't watch that fight. It was it was literally built as a tune-up for Keith Thurman. And Keith is not taking the tune-up. So, I mean, whatever. The fight the fight's set for March 4th. We'll see where it's at. Um, Probably New here, York. But here in Barclays, I've heard some things about them trying to bring it to Vegas, but I doubt it. Um, so, yeah, Garcia Thurman, that's great. Uh, looking forward to that fight. I'm looking forward to Danny Garcia finally losing because I never thought he was that good. But I think Danny Garcia is like a cautionary tale in boxing, a guy who had all the momentum in the world after Lucas Matisse and then fought a terrible fight against Mauricio Herrera, fought a bum in Rod Salka, and then fought like washed up Pauly Malignaggi, washed up Keith, like just threw any potential momentum he had in the toilet. But yeah, so, but they didn't want to risk the, the L, which is... I mean, you, you know, got to risk it sooner or later. I mean, shit. People, okay. In the age of instant gratification, which is where we are right now, and then the age where the UFC is putting on title fights immediately, you can't waste time. And people are like, well, that's what they did in the old days. This shit ain't the old days. People want to see payoff now. And the old so, days, they weren't scared to take that off. So that's not even true. 
Well, but I'm, what I'm saying is like Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman. You know, I feel like when I first saw Danny Garcia, I thought he, thought he was extremely marketable as a, as an individual, and beating Lucas Matisse legitimized him as a top tier talent, and he squandered it in the last three years. So he'll have to beat Keith Thurman. I just don't think he will. I don't think so either. We'll see if anything changes between now and then. Um, I just, you know, I don't see him having the power that Porter had. He doesn't have the ability to rush Thurman and steal rounds. Um, I, I just don't know how he beats Thurman. I, I don't know if he gets knocked out, but uh, he's got a wonderful a left fight. hook. Danny Garcia is an excellent counter left hook. It's a it's a thing of beauty, actually. As, as much as at a buck forty, Danny. though, right? Well, no, he's in, he has it at one forty. The, the, the kid has some pop. Yeah, I think that that's his, his greatest punch. But I, again, I just don't. At one forty seven, I don't know if he got that Porter power. No, I mean, I, just, I don't think he reached Keith Thurman. But this fight should, it's one of these things where it's like, it's not too late. It's still, it's still timely, but it's just they could, could have done more with Danny Garcia to make him look like he's legitimate instead of c- creating this persona of him being a cherry picker. And with would- boxing, they can't let him go back down. So if people want to play the, this how they did it in the olden days card, that's fine. But in the old days, when you got to the top, your ass stayed at the top. But th- that's the other thing. Like, so people get to the top and drop right back down and fight a cupcake. Like, no. Once you're at the top, you take all comers. In, in no other sport, no other sport is this allowed. <laughs> None. Like, there is no other sport where it's completely okay for your champion to beat up on a bunch of bums. Like... And then people say, well, you know, it's like the regular season in the NBA and the NFL, and they have to play like teams that are like the Cleveland Browns. You have to play the Cleveland Browns, right? But you have to play the Cleveland Browns. But all roads still in a year, in one calendar year, still lead to the best teams facing the best teams. It goes through you. No matter how you shape it, right? So in boxing, if you fight a bum and you fight a, a, a legit top five caliber fighter, I would be okay with that. Danny Garcia hasn't done that in like three and a half years. Problematic. Yeah, that's that's boxing's problem. So as long as he's at the top and he stays at the top, that's cool. Like Sean Porter's next fight. I don't want to see that shit against a bump. No, like he, he proves that he's top three in the world in that weight class. Oh, by the way, randomly, uh, WrestleMania 33 tickets go on sale Friday, November 18th. November 18th? Just got, yep, just Ooh, got the yeah. Good. A check hits right before then. Uh, we're going to need that <laughs> promo code. We're in there. <laughs> I got Orlando. Um, yeah, that's dope. I got to plan this correctly, though, because this year for me, it's a family trip. So oh, uh, going down there luck. a couple days early, I'm taking the kiddos. Um, got to fly out my grandma from Puerto Rico to just come and chill in her hotel room while I do all the wrestling stuff so her and the kids can chill. Yeah, Which good is luck. cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be rough, but, you know, we're, we're going to make it work. Oh, but see. my kids are going to kill me if I don't take them to Orlando. And my oldest daughter, Leia, who is now 11 and a half, uh, 11 and a half by then, she loves WWE. Like, for her birthday, that's all she wanted was wrestling merch. That's um, dope. So, huge Sasha Banks fan, huge uh, Finn fan. She loves AJ Styles. Uh, all indie. All indie NXT people, she is, like, amazed by. So, if I don't take her to something that weekend... She will kill me, like literally. She's tired of seeing my picture somewhere and be like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> so that Word. is what's going to have to go down. So I got to plan accordingly this year. Um, I'm like you when you, you, know, you take your nephew to places and stuff now. Now I know. 
I got to start yeah. planning kid-friendly events because she's at an age where she's like, yo, you're going to stop leaving me at home. Yeah, she ain't playing that. All right, so back to boxing. What else we got? We got the announcement of uh, Charlo and J-Rock, obviously. Uh, Badu Jack and James DeGale on January 14th. Which is going to be a good, good fight. It'll be a good fight. Carl Frampton, Leah Santa Cruz. Um, is Mike, Mikey Garcia back in the ring. And then Adrian Broner against Adrian Granados. The problem... The problem is back. But he's fighting a guy who's 18-4-2 with 12 knockouts that nobody's heard of. Way to go building up Adrian Broner because I thought he was going to be fighting Ricky Burns. Guess that's not happening. No. So of all these fights that I'm looking at, this is the one I'm just like, what? Why is this even listed? Like, is even Do people care that much about Adrian Broner? They're just going to watch him fight a bum? Okay. I think so. Um, and I'm almost positive we're probably going to get that fight here in Vegas. Oh, yay. Been training um, with Mayweather. It seems like this is where he's putting down his hooks now going forward. Um, if he can stay out of trouble, this is a rough city to plant your flag in when you have trouble and you live in Cincinnati. Yeah, good luck with that, Adrian Broner. Um, that's a fight I don't care about on this list. Everything else I'm pretty much looking forward to. Uh, seems like PBC is trying to get back on the horse here. Yo, no Two Spence, does- though. What's going on? That's the first thing that hopped out to me. I was like, um, so what about Errol? Like, are you building new stars or no? Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Basically, 2016 is a year you can flush boxing down the toilet, right? Until this coming month, which is Ward Kovalev, everything else has been a wash. Like, it's it's terrible, terrible year for boxing. Terrible year. Between the Tyson Fury nonsense, um, Gennady and, and Canelo not happening, boxing sucked this year. So hopefully they're, they're planning the seeds for having a prosperous 2017 because this year is a wash. Oscar said it's the worst year in boxing history. It's partially his fault, but I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible that he just says that. Be like, yo, my man, you know, you could have changed that. Yeah, that's crazy. Probably anyway. helped, helped out boxing. Um, so that Outside of that, Ward Kovalev, you hear any hype yet? No, you're not going to. Okay, I was about to say, I haven't heard anything in the week that since we criticized it last. No, you're not, dude, you're not going to because the boxing world, like, I'm going to talk about this in MMA for a second because we, we got to get out of here. We've been, we've been talking for too damn long. Oh, yeah. But the problem with this is the same problem that happens in the UFC. The UFC puts together better matchups. In, there's not enough boxing writers to talk about Pacquiao Vargas and then talk about Ward Kovalev. Ward Kovalev didn't need Pacquiao Vargas in the way to tell the proper stories. When you when you give enough time for a fight to breathe, like UFC 205 has had the proper amount of time to breathe. We haven't had an event, a UFC fight, in three weeks, and it feels like an eternity, but you almost miss it. Boxing, you're not going to have that same thing. Pacquiao Vargas is going to ruin that for Ward Kovalev. All boxing writers' hands should be on deck from now until November 19th to promote Ward Kovalev. But they're not. We gotta, they're going to have to come to town. They have to come to town and deal with this bullshit-ass... Pacquiao Vargas. And most of us double dip. So we got to talk about UFC 2 and UFC takes precedent. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, it's rough when you have this going on because Ward Kovalev, like I said, it, that, this is a, it doesn't happen much in history to have two pound-for-pound pound guys fighting each other. But Ward's doing himself no favors. Like, Rock Nation, I don't know what they're doing. And I, then the I, Ward... They need to tell me because I can't get an interview to save my life. Nobody can get through the Ward. And then on <laughs> top of all of this... The Ward Kovalev undercard is 
absolute trash. <laughs> it is, it is, oh, it's despicable. Curtis Stevens is on there, fantastic. It's, it's trash, 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 trash. At least with Pacquiao Vargas, I keep saying that I cannot wait to see Jesse Magdaleno and Nonito Donaire. I've been on the Magdaleno bandwagon for a long time. I, when I saw Jesse fight before I saw Diego Magdaleno fight, I was like, that kid's going to be a star. So, and I've always been a fan of Nonito Donaire, so this could be a hell of a fight. But you don't have that on the Ward Kovalev on the card. You have nothing to talk about but those two guys. And if they're not doing interviews and Kovalev's a foreigner, it's really hard to promote this fight. No, definitely. I don't. It's going to be rough. We're going to see how many people are there, how many people care about this. Um, I don't have faith that a lot of people do. But maybe it picks up. They got, what, two more weeks? Two weeks. Uh, And I feel like UFC is just going to take over um, the narrative after next week. Pacquiao gets a little bit of shine because they beat UFC to the punch. But it's going to be hard to, you know, build up your event after we see whether Conor loses or wins. Well, you can bet your bottom dollar on that UFC 205 would outsell both of those fights put together. Maybe double what they both sell together. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with that. It's Conor McGregor. So, he, no yeah. one's matching Conor McGregor in sales right now. Um, we're going to take a break, though. We have one more shout-out from the sponsors. Then we're coming back, wrapping up with the UFC, talking about a little bit of the other stuff before we get out of here and close out the show. So you guys stay tuned. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you are satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. All right, shout out to the sponsors. Make sure you guys go on there, cop some stuff, help out the brand. We're moving forward, man. It's been a good year heading into 2017. It's crazy that we're going on year two here in a second. Um, or excuse me, year three here in a second, passing by two years. So thanks to you guys. Let's talk MMA. Real quick, once again, not much to preview this weekend. Um, it's kind of the calm before the storm. We're all well, just yeah. looking at UFC 205. Well, I mean, we do have a couple of things. Uh, Uriah Faber announcing his retirement recently. That's been a pretty big deal. Uh, having his fast, last fight against Brad Pickett in Sacramento. Um, Which making, Sacramento is shaping up to be a really good card. Yeah, shaping up to be very solid, but it's the end of Uriah Faber's career. Probably the most popular UFC title to, to never win a UFC title. Um, I'd agree. I mean, Hendo would be up there. We just yeah. saw Hendo call it quits. 
Um, Hendo's up there, but I, I think Uriah Faber for what he did for the, the smaller weight classes, um, you know, what he did in WEC, you know, he had, you know, like commercials and like people, he was just the small guy and like everybody loved him. Like I, I actually went to Sacramento and watched Uriah Faber fight. And uh, who did he fight? I can't remember what WEC that was. But I couldn't believe, I was like, damn, this kid is huge in Sacramento. Superstar. <laughs> Yo, like he's he, huge on the whole West, though. He, they, people love him here in Vegas. Yeah, he's he's a, I mean, he's a big star, and it's it's gonna suck to see him go, but he's going at the right time, focused on the alpha male gym, and you know he's done what he he needed to do. He can't win a title. He lost to Jimmy Rivera in his last fight, so it's time to move on. Um, he should be Brad Pickett, but you know, uh, shout out to Uri Faber. I've interviewed him numerous times throughout his career. He's a great guy, um, and you know, calling the quits is it's the right time. Definitely. Um, I don't know. His impact, long lasting, is Uriah a Hall of Famer? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt that Uriah Hall. I mean, Uriah Faber is a Hall of Famer. Never Absol- had the belt in the UFC. Doesn't matter. Does like the I said, light, what, the lighter divisions weren't in the UFC. A lot of his stuff came WEC. Yeah, but Uriah Faber. Yeah, I mean Uriah Faber until losing to Jimmy Rivera. Uriah Faber's only lost to champions. Only. And, and Jimmy Rivera's story is not untold. So who knows? And, and and losing to Jose Aldo, not a big deal because Jose Aldo was the most dominant featherweight for like ever until Conor McGregor came along. And losing, you know, like to Frankie Edgar and losing to Dominic Cruz, who and on my list is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. For everything that Uriah Faber has done for smaller weight classes, is more than enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. If Stephen Bonner and Forrest Griffin are in the Hall of Fame, even though Forrest Griffin did win the light heavyweight title, Uriah Faber should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question he should be in the Hall of Fame. All right, I'll give you that. The Hall of Fame itself is not very uh, hard to get into, I guess. Yeah, more importantly, like the UFC Hall of Fame is not like a real Hall of Fame. It's like these are my friends and they're in the Hall of Fame because there's no reason. They got to change that shit, right? Like, I mean, this is one of the things going forward. Like, they could probably afford to have a real Hall of Fame. Like, Frank Shamrock not being in the Hall of Fame is utterly ridiculous. But it's this is the way it goes. So, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we've seen all the changes. I'm sure Dana is going to have less and less say-so here in the future on stuff like that. Um, Yeah, like I said, but nothing coming up this weekend. The next thing we have UFC-wise is RDA versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking for that. Next weekend, we'll preview the whole card. That should be a good fight. Um, Damn near number one contender's fight, depending on how Khabib goes. Well, there's there's one lingering story about George St. Pierre. Uh, this whole rumor that Bisping verbally agreed to a fight with George St. Pierre at UFC 206, which UFC 206, thank God they added, added Pettis and Holloway because that was an abysmal card. It was looking oh weak, and that's God. still not a co-main, by the way. Nah, I can take that for a co-main. I'm fine with that. You okay with that for a co-main? Yeah, Pettis and Holloway, I'm big on Max Holloway. And I think Anthony Pettis being a former champion, I'm fine with that being a co-main. My That'd problem is a great the rest third of the, fight. When you look the at rest 207... Of and you have Kane versus Verdum as the third fight. Yeah, no, I look, I get it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Pettis Holloway being a co-main if there were like three other good fights on the card. But there, <laughs> but there's not. There's not. <laughs> but there is it, and I'm sure the card's a wasteland. Yeah, like, uh, Canada's just like, yo, this is really what you give us, though. Um, I'm surprised Bisping is physically healthy enough to even verbally agree to a fight. Verbal agreements in the UFC are shit, by the way. Um, Everything, yeah, pretty much. But I, after seeing his face against Hendo, I'm surprised he's healthy enough to even go back and start training and, and wanting a fight in early December. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, he wants the money. He knows the rest of the middleweights are salivating for a, a shot against him. Yeah, so, this is the big money fight. Yeah, so get your money. If, like, you can fight George St. Pierre in Toronto and cash out. Shit, Michael Bisping could retire after that. <laughs> he Go got shit else night. to do. And no. there's a good chance GSP is not knocking your ass out. Right. So if you got to go out through unanimous decision or a tap out, you'll live. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see the George St. Pierre UFC saga ending anytime soon. Um, Do you think he takes this fight? No, absolutely not. Not happening. Not maybe. 206, not not enough time. They're not going to work this out. I think they're at at an impasse right now. I don't think either side's budging. Something big will have to happen. GSP did respond. He said he buried the hatchet with the new owners and Ari and. Talked to Dana White last week. Um, but there's no deal. Yeah, that, no advancements on the deal. That's George St. Pierre's way of saying fuck off with a smile on his face. Because <laughs> George St. Pierre is not a mean guy. So he'll say those things. But really, he's saying fuck off. Like, we made peace, but we couldn't come to the deals. Like, figure it out. Yeah. He's in no rush. I mean, he's, budget. he's not going to budge for less money. He's no. Not Alvarez. He, he wants to fight, but yeah, no, not happening. He's not fighting Bisping. Um, 205, like I said, all lights on 205 coming up. Do they stay healthy? Does everyone stay healthy? Well, we haven't had a, a major change in the card yet. No, I think I think they're gonna figure. I think uh, the MMA guys are gonna smile upon us and keep this card intact. If we do lose the fight, I don't know who it would be. Um, but I think that this this card's gonna stay largely intact. Surprise, surprise. That'd be amazing. And do you think? Because you know, it was a lot of these fights were announced later. They were announced early October, just in time for training camps. To begin yeah. for these fights. Do you think this is a new wave? Is this how we keep people healthy? No. So they don't, you know, train to death for four months like Aldo does for all his fights because they're now four months in advance and always gets hurt? No, I think these guys are already in the gym. I don't think, I think, I think this is just the MMA guys smiling on us. I don't think you start training once you get a fight announced. I think a lot of these guys are training anyway. Um, shit just happens. And shit hasn't happened on this card yet. So, so far, so good. You've done right this whole year with injuries, though. No, we we've had a lot of injuries this year. Main card, like pay per view. I'm I'm just talking about injury. Yeah, like two, like. Oh no! Look- I guess late earlier in the year it was a, a significant problem. I guess like the past what since 200, we've been. I doing mean, right. before then it was pretty shitty. I I forgot about all that stuff. Yeah, like we had everything. We had 200. I mean, Belfast Bis- just lost his co-main event, uh, UFC Belfast, and now like Gunnar Nelson's out of his fight. Like it's. This injuries are still a major issue. Co-mains and mains change a lot. But, um, like I said, hopefully 205 just stays together. It's, it's, it's loaded. And if it loses a fight, nobody would care. People would just get over it, unless it was Connor. Yeah, I mean, Connor is really the guy, and he saves him so much because he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood, uh, between right. fights. And if you yeah. book Connor, he's showing up. Pretty much. Um, the other thing to look forward to, last thing to talk about, really, MMA, quick segment, uh, UFC 207. Garbrandt Cruz confirmed. Yeah, it's shaping up to be a really good card. I know you you thought maybe Garbrandt should wait a little bit. He's not ready. Change your mind now that it's locked in? No, I'm fine with the fight. I never said I wasn't fine with the fight. I've always felt like he's getting, I said it last week, he's getting the John Jones treatment. He's, they see the talent. They see that the time is right. They're going to push him. Unfortunately, has anybody heard from TJ Dillashaw yet? He's got to be pissed right now. Oh, I don't know. Last thing I heard from TJ is he put up, like, his own cash. Yeah. He's like, he really wants to put up, like, 100000 and your belt. 
you know, the this only, is it. only card I'm he had left was loser retires. I thought yeah. he was going to play that next. I'm fine with this fight happening. Hopefully, TJ Dillashaw gets the winner. I don't know who he fights in the interim. Maybe he does fight Brian Caraway. Um, you know, I think Aljamain Sterling's booked. Thomas Almeida's booked. So Caraway makes sense. I mean, as far as the number one contenders fight. Yeah, you got to do something. Something needs to be done uh, for Dillashaw. Dillashaw has earned his stripes and he deserves to be the next person. Because he's got a storyline with either winner. You know, if he, he fights... Uh, um, the Cody. Dominic Cruz again. If he fights Dominic Cruz again, there's a storyline there. If he fights Cody, Team Alpha Male guys, they either way you got a, a thick storyline. This so, alpha, the Alpha Fail T-shirts are about to be just on sale, just running through shelves leading up yeah. to this fight. So I mean, it should be. It's a good fight. It's a good co-main. It's a good fight to put on before Rousey and Nunez. So it's it's right at the right point. Um, I'm here for it. I'm excited for it. New Year's card shaping us to be good. Does Ronda uh, make it healthy into this camp? Yeah, Ronda will be fine. I don't think Ronda does anything that's really necessarily going to hurt her anyway. No, because she's not in a real camp. You're right. Exactly. Uh, does she get better on the feet? I, yo, I posted another video the other day, and they put out together like a Ronda boxing highlight package, and this shit was just embarrassing. She could get better. I don't see it being exponentially better. I think she relies on what she's relied on through all of her other fights before Betts Correa to win fights, her judo. And... I think that's how she beats Amanda Nunez. But other than that, I don't see her being. I don't see her being better to the point where she's going to try new shit in her first fight back. <laughs> no spinning, no spinny shit. No, like this is a fight she has to win. So she's got to fight and do what she knows what to do best, which is judo, hip toss, armbar. So there will be no flashy, none of that. I think Ronda's just coming to handle business on January and two thousand. Was it December thirtieth? December thirtieth, the last fight of the year. It's on a Friday, too. Yep. Because um, uh, you can't do it New Year's Eve in Vegas right. because the streets shut down. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Ronda, she'll be fine. I think so she'll happy be Happy pre New Year's Eve to us. We will be down there in the madness. Indeed. Uh, I'm just hoping that parking is still free by then. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to the show this week. Uh, make sure you hit us up on all social media platforms. The show at the corner LSN on everything. Me at Kel Dansby on all platforms. Yep, and at Andreas Hale. Uh, until next week, we'll have you know a recap of the WWE Hell in a Cell. We'll start gearing up towards Survivor Series. Hopefully, some stuff clears up after Hell in a Cell and the show, the Raw. After that, we kind of get to see where the feuds start going. Hopefully, some new feuds pop up. We have UFC to preview, like we touched on. And then also, 205 is coming up, Pacquiao. A lot of stuff for next week's show. Make sure you guys tune in next week. Until then, though, we're out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.